0: Okay, who's microwaving something? That's me. not it. Yeah, not it's, me. It, <laughs> like, it, it's, it's done. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <Huh? laughs> like somebody, something's either being microwaved or I'm having a stroke. <laughs> Why do I smell burnt toast? I don't know. <laughs> Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that's going to have a howling good time. I'm your host, Rob.
1: Kevin. Dennis. And Richard.
0: And if you hadn't guessed, that's uh, because we are talking about the new Space Wolves Codex. Well, new-ish. We're running a little bit late because of technical difficulties. We've tried, what, three times to record this episode? Something like that. But also holiday
2: and the fact that we had two land at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's true, which we don't have, uh, coming up, which, uh, why don't we just jump ahead to news and new releases? The, uh, Blood Angels Codex is now up for pre-order, along with a bunch of, uh, Blood Angels related goodness. Yay. And there's more stuff to talk about in, you know, beyond just the most recent updates, but, uh, we'll kind of work backwards a bit. Uh, yeah, so. Blood Angels stuff is available and I, we do have a copy of the Blood Angels Codex in hand. I've been looking through it and I, I have to say I'm really impressed with, uh, what they've done, especially from a Crusade standpoint. There's some really cool stuff they've done for like managing, uh, like the flaw and black, you know, the black rage and things like that. But uh, we'll talk about that next episode. But at least it's not a dual codex release. We didn't get Death Guard and Blood Angels at the same time. <laughs> so you got off lucky. Uh, yeah, well, for <laughs> a little bit. But it's going to happen again. But it gets I mean, spaced out that way. Death Guard is going to come out sooner than later, though. Like Oh, I oh yeah. It. By the time we get Blood Angels out, Death Guard will be will be here. Also, I would like to say they finally made a set of readable dice that have symbols on the special symbol only on one side. Yeah, they, they did a really good job. Like the, the, the color, like the color come of black and red, like is really good. Like these are, I would say, easily the best dice they've made so far. <laughs> yeah. They're very readable. They're, the one pip is just one blood drop. All the rest of the blood drops are, you know, it's a one, two, three, four. They're in the same, uh, way that they, just normal pips would be organized. So mm-hmm. it looks like another die just with blood drops instead of circles. And then the six is the blood angels chapter logo. So. It's great. I, I I have definitely ordered a set of these because finally some decent dice. <laughs> and uh the Blood Angels Combat Patrol has now been added to the list of ways to get started with uh armies, and it's an interesting one. Uh it's uh looks like it's what intercessors. It's, yeah, it's a it's a five-man squad of intercessors, a five-man squad of incursors, a three man aggressor squad an impulsor and a primaris librarian which is interesting because it's a lot of it's a, it's there's not a lot of overlap with some of the other combat patrols so if you're say for example a regular like ultramarines player a death guard deathwatch player or something like that like this combat patrol box is very much worth picking up for you as well um because the the core units can all be used for other other chapters and you get a vehicle like that's really cool yeah you get a you get a nice transport vehicle uh which can be built in like two or three different ways to like provide anti-air fire or anti-infantry fire or a shield or uh orbital bombardment capabilities uh having a librarian's interesting because uh uh Mm -hmm. the new or the uh the old psychic power which has come back is really good again, so that's actually a really solid HQ at the patrol level. So I'm I'm actually digging it. And again, the price point is, uh, f- you know, 140 bucks, which it seems to be where they are sticking with this, and it's a pretty good deal. It's I think we figured it's something like 200 some dollars worth of models for 140, yeah. and it comes yeah. in at about four dollars or four points per dollar, which is what median roughly yeah it's scene? it's it's better than the other two like the space wolves or the deathwatch combat patrols so like we don't have a lot to go off of because we only have three so far but it is the best like points deal for those uh, of those three and it's it's definitely seems like it's the most flexible because you can do incursors you know as uh you know you can do the, you can build them a couple different ways you've got your aggressors that you can build you know with either the weapon layouts and just getting a transport, like the transport by itself is a what eighty dollar model. Something I like. mean, like that in and of itself makes this almost worth it, Um because you get you know three yeah, the other units seventy five bucks yeah yeah like that's that's what makes this a good deal. And like I said, there's nothing in here that is. I mean, obviously there's the upgrade sprues and stuff for for Blood Angels, but there's nothing in here that makes this inherently a Blood Angels force. There's no reason why you couldn't pick up, like, all three of these combat patrols, for example, and build another space marine force out of them. Because at that point, you would have, you know, a full uh, intercessor squad, a full incursor squad, two units of aggressors, you know, a transport, a pretty good variety of HQs. Like, there's some really cool options with kind of mixing and matching these combat patrol boxes so far. I will say the one oddity there would be the Space Wolf specific lieutenant. Sure. But I believe that's, well, no, I guess he is a, yeah, he is a specific character. But but he's I not mean, a named character, yeah. but he's definitely wolfy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, other than that, though, like all of the, the everything else that out of those boxes, which, like I said, all the boxes are pretty good deal. You know could be could be mixed and matched, and like I said, this one especially with with the impulser like this is one that I could absolutely see you doubling up on because let's say that you bought two boxes of this, you then have two librarians, oh, you know, which okay, there's a little bit of a, you know duplication there. I don't know that two librarian hqs are the best, but at that point you would have a a full ten man. Uh, intercessor squad, a full 10-man and cursor squad, two transports to put them in, and then a full six-man aggressor squad. That's a really good core of an army. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah, you could double up on this and, and be pretty good. And yeah. you'd also have plenty of Blood Angels-specific sprues to add on to keep customizing those and mm-hmm. you, know, you know keep that look consistent. But that's not the only thing that's been released. Uh, we also had the Battle Forces go up for pre-order this week. Uh, most of them are sold out now. Right. Except, yeah, for, they went except for <laughs> one. No one wants the Astra Militarum. <laughs> Which, I <sighs> would say reason. this, <laughs> it's not point efficient, but n- guard never is. It's actually like a pretty good deal um, as far as what you get in there. Like, you get it's a good way to get a lot of models, which is something you need for for a, an Astromilitarum, you know, army. But yeah, it's it's not nearly the the points efficiency that you get out of the other boxes. No. So so we got six. Uh, they're all in the two hundred to two hundred and ten dollar range, mm-hmm. which is still a pretty good deal. Uh, it's not as good as deals in the past where they were around what one seventy one sixty. Yeah, Something. well, I think I was looking at it last year. I think they all clocked in around one eighty to two hundred. So they've gone up ten dollars, ten to twenty dollars. So it's been a few years since we had like the hundred and seventy five dollar like army okay. box deal. So it, it's it's not as bad, but yes, it, it, there is some price creep going on. Yeah, but like you've got a Nids one with a Hive Tyrant, which can be met, made as the Swarm Lord, a Horuspex, or Exocrine. A uh, unit of Hive Guard or Tyrant Guards, and then uh, sixteen Gene Stealers and ten Gargoyles, which it
1: makes for an interesting shooty with a bit of assault. Yeah, I mean it's pretty good. Uh, aside from nobody seems to want to use Gargoyles, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, let's see. The
0: Space Marine one is heavily uh, like Vanguard based, so you get an Impulsor. Uh, the uh Invictor Warsuit, and then 10 Reavers, 10 Incursors, and a Captain in Phobos Armor. So, if you want to do more of the Scout-style Primaris Army, that's a, a good start there. The Invictor's a, a good unit. Yeah, Incursors or Infiltrators, however you wish to make them. Mm. Uh, Reavers are kind of the weak point there. Reavers aren't a great choice right now, especially when you do have Incursors and <laughs> Infiltrators available. But it does give you an elite slot To fill in so you know it's it's not bad uh the space uh, chaos space marines get a decimation war band which is the captain from blackstone fortress or the the chaos lord with the thunder hammer Mm -hmm. a unit of uh, terminators a unit of havocs uh the 10 uh i believe it is the 10 uh single fit monopose uh space marines from like, their <Sphere>. starter box. Yeah, for Shadow Spear. And then a Forge Fiend slash Mauler Fiend kit. Yeah, like, this is, for this one, where it falls down for me is the Monopose, you know, the Monopose Chaos Marines, because there's a brand new, like, multi-part Chaos Marine kit they could have just slotted in instead. And I get they're trying to, you know, they, they're wanting to get the most out of those Monopose models, but you got a full unit of Havocs that are customizable, the Terminators, which are customizable. Like, I, I just kind of wish that they had put that in there. And I think there would have been more, I would have probably picked this up if that had been an actual unit of multi-part space Marines, because then you could take this and you could pair it with the starter box. You can pair it with what you got from shadow spear. You can kind of build it out. Whereas right now it's like, eh, I don't know that I need another unit of this weird, like mix, not really like fully optimized Marines, which are, like I said, it's a big part of it. It's, you know, So I I don't know that that's where that kind of falls down for me. Yeah, it's not the best choice they could have made. But overall, it's not a bad it is. It is a good way to, you know, get a chaos based marine army started or expand an existing one. So, yeah, not terrible. Uh, The Necrons one, I actually really like Uh, you get uh, 10 Necron Warriors, three Scarab Swarms, Uh, a Spot Canopic Spider, a Night Scythe slash Doom Scythe, a Triarch Stalker, uh, five Triarch Praetorian. So you got kind of this Triarch theme going on. And then, uh, a, the Technomancer Crypt deck. What I really like about this one is that it's, it's different stuff than what you get in the, uh, box or in any of the, like, the, the, the starter boxes. Like, it seems like it's leaning more into other models that are still new, but like, Fit in there better than like some of the newer stuff. So like it's a really it's a really interesting pickup if you're starting a Necron army and you've picked up Indominus and you want to expand it. This is like a perfect pairing with it. Oh, absolutely,
1: absolutely. This is a a good a, a good expansion on that. Mm-hmm. And a- apparently, spiders are really good and really sold out by themselves right now. Yeah. So
0: yeah. if you want spiders, <laughs> this is the way to get it, or right. was before it sold out. Also, right. <laughs> Uh, Tau get a, uh, the Star Pulse Cadre, which is the, uh, Commander Suit, uh, unit of Crisis Suits, unit of Pathfinders, unit of Fire Warriors, uh, unit, uh, or, which comes with the Tactical Support Turret, a Piranha, which is actually a pretty decent choice now, uh, a Broadside, and then like all the drones that come with everything, including the special drones that come with, uh, the Pathfinders. Mm hmm. So like the Recon Drone, the Pulse Inhibitor Drone, the like gra- or Grav Inhibitor Pulse Accelerator. Now with the Fire Warriors, I believe that generally – that makes both a Strike Team or a Breacher Team. Although without a Transport, Strike Team is probably the better choice. Right. <laughs> uh, it's not bad. Uh, crisis suits are a little bit better than they were. But Tau is still uh, an army that struggles. So th- the thing I like about this is that it's very um, – <sighs> I don't want to say generic, but it's kind of very generic. Like these are all things that you're going to use in any type of tower army you build. Yeah. Like there's there's not a unit in here where I'm like, well, you would never take that. Like there's no there's no vespits or krut in here. Um, it's all things that you would definitely take in any build you're going to do. So if you're interested in playing tower or expanding on your tower, it is a good box for that. But yeah, it kind of it kind of seems very generalist. Um. Which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. And then finally a uh, uh the Astra Militarum platoon, the uh the Bastion Platoon, Acadian command squad, twenty Cadian shock troops, three heavy weapons teams, one sentinel, one chimera, and one hydra slash wyvern. <sighs> it's it's not a it's, lot of points. It is no, it's like b- it's like barely a patrol. <laughs> right, yeah. Like far and away it is the fewest points it is yeah like it's not a great deal points wise but i will say this if you're interested in playing guard and you're wanting to play an infantry heavy guard i could see like picking two of these up and like okay now i've got a boatload of infantry to start with i don't know how many people are playing guard that way so i can't really say to like the veracity of that but like if you're wanting to play the kind of like you know, Flood of Bodies Guard Army, this isn't a bad deal. And like actually like monetarily, like this is actually one of the better deals because each of those squads are, you know, thirty, forty dollars, and then you get two vehicle three vehicles and, and heavy weapons teams. So like it's not it's not bad. It's just one of those where because of the way guard is built, especially foot guard, you need like three of these to like get close to having half an army (laughs) well yeah because like your calculations on points per dollar it's like two and a half points per dollar which is real bad and that that's the problem and i'm curious to see how they're going to approach this when it comes time to do a new guard codex and they come out with a combat patrol it's like is it gonna go vehicle heavy because that's really the only way you're gonna get that kind of Bang for your buck out of it, unless it just ends up being a ton of dudes in a box. Well, at in- which point, at one hundred and forty bucks, how many dudes are you going to get in a box? The way they fixed it with the previous start collecting boxes, which granted, a little bit different, is they did one with them with military tempestus. So it's like, okay, we're taking elite, more expensive bodies and putting them in here with the vehicle, um, which is one way to do it, but that's also very limiting. Or the other way they did it was uh the start collecting box, which I believe had – yeah, so the start collecting box for Aston Militarum had a Lehman Russ in it. So yeah. it was basically a commissar, a unit, and then – you know, a 10-man unit, and then a Lehman Russ. The Lehman Russ is what bumps that up and makes, like, the points worth it. But that's also kind of, like, dropping, like – dropping a start collecting unit with, like, Terminate with like scouts and a land raider being like, well, it's this many points. Yeah, but you're getting all of your points out of one place. So, I mean, I guess that's the way they could do it. They could include two units and, you know, two units of of Cadians and a a Lehman Russ. But I don't know. know. (laughs) Well, like that start collecting set. We'll talk about it more when we can get back to start, you know, getting your army started. But. That was the one of the ones that it's like not a legal army because that right. <laughs> one heavy weapons team. It's like you have to either swap it out for two guys in the squad or just not use it. And you'd be a fool not to use it. But right. It's yeah, it's just yeah, it's, it's badly, badly done. So, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't put a Lehman Russ in, instead of like a Wyvern and a Sentinel. It's it it's an odd choice. Yeah, the, the Wyvern's a weird choice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, the-, the Wyvern's not like traditionally isn't bad, but it's, it's a yeah, choice it, compared to what you get in some of these other. And and I guess, stuff. I guess they put the Wyvern in there because they wanted something different than the start collecting box. But at the same time, yeah, if you throw a Lehman Russ in here instead of the Wyvern, it doesn't fix the points issues with it, but like it does give you more of an army because the, the Lehman Russ is like, 100 or 200 points more than the Wyvern, like, it's quite a bit more expensive. Yeah. So, it would give you – it would give you the a bigger core of, like, building an army. But, like I said, this box, I when I look at this, I'm like, you need, like, three of these to, like, do what you want to do. Right. Uh, and that's problematic because, like, the other ones, I think, pair well with other armies and do a really good job of, like, supplementing the start collecting boxes or – you know, other – you build this and this is your core and you build up one or two other things. This is the one I look at and go, oh, you need like three of these and then you need to go buy Lehman Russ's as well. <laughs> so, yeah. it's – uh and it's just – that's part of the reason why we don't – why we've never really done like a good guard episode because – we're not interested in playing this type of army because it plays and feels completely different than everything else in 40k. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to move like 200 infantry and tanks around the table.
2: <laughs> well, that's why they've got movement trays, right? I,
0: yeah, I, uh. I still see people using them for for Ninth Edition, so it's <laughs> it's still a thing. Uh, but yeah, those are those uh, battle forces are like I said, the, they're all gone except for the guard one. So if you are really a guard army, I mean, I guess be the person who scoops them up. Cause... Yeah. But it is say something that that entire $200 box has fewer points than the $140 Blood Angels Combat Patrol box. Yeah. Guard armies and, and any army that's going to have a lot of low-cost infantry is just going to be a hard one to to balance like that. Uh But anyway, as I said, we are working backwards and so the last thing we're going to cover is the... uh Warhammer preview that we had a couple of weeks ago, uh, Decadence and Decay. Woohoo. And well, actually about a week ago as of recording, and hopefully I'm going to be able to get this edited soon, so it's not completely out of date. Uh, <laughs> but we're getting a new Warzone. We're getting more narrative stuff coming. But instead of just, like, the little book, we're actually getting, like, a full, like, Vigilist-style campaign. So we've got uh, Warzone Cheridon. Which is basically where the Forge World of Metallica, which is possibly the most unfortunately named Forge World for <laughs> legal purposes. It's spelled different. It's only got one L. And that makes it completely I – mean, We right. represent but are legally distinct from the heavy metal band it's, Metallica. It is legally distinct. <laughs> uh, but uh, we get the – First book is Act One, The Book of Rust, featuring Death Guard going for it's like Death Guard and eventually looks like Black Legion may be joining in, uh, attacking this forge world and trying to take it. So we've got uh Death Guard, Adeptus Mechanicus, Imperial Knights, and then Drukhari are getting rules because the Drukhari always take advantage of any time there's chaos and fighting to just steal slaves and inflict pain. Right. <laughs> But it is going to be focused on Typhus himself, and uh, we don't know much more about it than that. Although I do f- find it interesting that the cover has the uh, you know the sigil of the Mechanicus, you know the half me- half servo skull, half regular skull, and the regular skull is growing horns. So I don't know if that's supposed to be more Nurgle related or if maybe possibly. One day we could actually get that Dark Mechanicus army that people have been clamoring for. They, well, again, like uh, uh, along with like the the Renegade Guard, they've kind of been seeding units that would go into a Dark Mechanicum army in throughout the Chaos army with like the the Lord Discordance and some of these other units. So, like, yeah, like maybe maybe they'll you know through this they'll pull it all together and we'll get like a, a Dark Mechanicus maybe not codex or but like an army list where we can like here's the units you know maybe something like uh like the forge world and you know compendium where it's like okay here's the here's the units you can pull together for this and like run as a force i think that'd be really cool yeah and it'd be nice to see like we've like you said we've got the stuff there to start piecing it together i'm still like to see whenever they've told us that they're not doing trader guard either but they keep Putting traitor mm. guard units in Blackstone Fortress and other places, <laughs> so it's like, come on, just, just, just do the just thing. Do it, do it. He's poking GW to say, "Come on, do it." <laughs> uh, but there's also alongside that, there's a standalone uh, Crusade mission pack called Plague Purge, which is going to be done in the same uh format as the Necron one that we had a couple months ago. So as Beyond the Veil. So, you know, missions that you can use, uh, relics that you can get uh specifically. So, like, if you aren't one of those four armies that's involved in Chardon, you can just do a campaign of, oh, well, here's, like, here's a narrative campaign you can make on your own of the Death Guard and Nurgle attacking somewhere. Have fun right. with it. Oh, so, no, I-, I do like that they're specifically, like, including things in these mission packs that are for other armies and not just the four that are, like, narratively there. Uh, Because they did that with Beyond the Veil as well, where it's like, yeah, the Necrons in this group are fighting here, but if you're Eldar, you can still use these missions and like pick up things, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and then we've got two codexes coming early next year that are confirmed, and that is Codex Drukari. Which, Dennis, how do you feel about this one? I don't know. (laughs) I'm excited that this is like a
2: Xenos one, and Drukari actually are getting out before the Eldari do. But I'm more curious to see what they do with it, because I feel like they keep on not exactly changing up how the Drukari play, but they they keep on trying to make the way they want them to play into a codified form. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there's three distinct, I don't call them chapter, but subsets of Drukari between the witch cults, the Cabal, and the homunculi covens, um, each th- one of those three play differently and they work best on their own being supplemented by one of the others. So I'm, I'm curious as to if it, you still get the benefit of focusing on one or if you, you have to take all three for the most benefit or I'm curious as to how they're going to have that play out. Timing wise, I think it's really neat, especially since they're going to get some extra rules right here, right away in the, um, campaign book then followed up with here's a codex my thought concern there is is the stuff in the campaign book just going to get reprinted in the codex or is this just going to be different things so that way it's you get a lot of Drukari stuff just right out the door and happy new year have fun
0: yeah hard to say and we don't know if the stuff in the campaign book is going to be like crusade only Or, because that is definitely a thing. That is true. That it could, like, it could just layer on top of whatever other Drukhari stuff comes, but might not impact matched play. And I've seen some commentary online of people being like, well, now we're just going to get back into book bloat where, like, to play Death Guard, I'm going to need, like, two or three books to play. And it's like, well, maybe, but maybe not. We don't know if those books are going to affect matched play. If, in my mind, if they're smart, it shouldn't. Let the codexes be the codexes and let the campaign books be narrative only. That would be I, I like preference. that
2: concept because that is one of my concerns is book bloat because as we'll hear in a little bit, I'm already feeling it with just having a codex and a supplement.
0: Yeah. Uh But anyway, Drukari, they say you're going to see more attacks across the board, higher damage output, lethal combat output. So they're definitely leaning towards more assaulty uh, uh, damage. And
2: I, I'm happy about all that, but I think that's... Just to kind of bump them up and make them on par with all the buffs everybody else has got so far. Because when you give two wounds to every Space Marine and the Drukhari damage was one, it really hurt them. But now the damage is two. It's back to where they were when Space Marines only had one wound. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, it's it. I mean, I'm glad they're trying to keep them up with the power curve, though. So that's... I'd rather them do that than not change that.
2: Right. I I guess I was saying when they're more lethal, I'm like, well, no, they're now just as lethal (laughs) as they used to be,
0: which I guess technically is more lethal than they were a month ago. Yeah. We'll also have to see like what, like how their weapons have been reworked too, because like the only example we really have here is that Claves do two damage for Incubi instead of just one. But you know, again. Uh, we'll have to see. Although it does look like they're trying to make sure that you can build a Drukari army any way you want without being screwed on command points. So, that's good. Yes. I'm, I'm interested to see how they rework some of the special rules because, like, we've seen with some of the Space Marines, and granted, a little bit different, but we've seen with some of the Space Marines that, like, assault builds can work in this edition. So, I do wonder if, like, between the fact that, like, Dark Eldar are going to get Higher damage output and just some of the changes to the game, like more units will be able to get into assault quicker. How that changes their army as well, because I think just some of the core game mechanics have swung in their favor too. It'll also depend on how power from pain plays out, mm-hmm. because
2: that's changed a lot in the the over different editions.
0: Right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and we'll also have to see if it works. Like, they might have it work differently in, uh, Crusade or have an extra element to it in Crusade than they do in match play. Uh, spoilers, we're gonna see a little bit of that in Blood Angels. So, when we get to that episode. Uh, but that's not the only Codex that's coming out early next year. We're also getting, uh, Codex supplement Dark Angels, uh, which will finish up the founding chapter supplements, at least as far as those armies that don't follow the Codex all that closely. And that, you know, these, the armies that need to have, you know, that are different enough that they definitely need a supplement. And I don't know if the other six supplements for starting chapters are ever going to get reprinted or updated. I imagine they will eventually. But, uh, anyway, uh, Dark Angels, they say, uh, launch faster and more deadly Ravenwing assaults, initiate units, including Dreadnoughts, into the deathwing hunt the fallen with new stratagems and relics and with deathguard vanguard deta- deathwing vanguard detachments not deathguard that's books not out yet uh with deathwing vanguard detachments and ravenwing outrider detachments both getting obsec you'll be able to f- field incredibly powerful and tactically flexible dark angels armies and that's that's great being able to make a deathwing army that can still control objectives <laughs> Okay, this is the point where our old recording service crashed and we had to switch over to a new one. So, we did end up losing a few minutes of conversation that we didn't realize we'd lost, such as a little bit more discussion on the Dark Angel's Codex being announced and some talk about the new Sigvald the Magnificent model and how it could be converted into a Fulgrim model and why we don't have a Fulgrim model and how we'd really like to have a Fulgrim model. But other than that, we didn't lose too much, so If the conversation seems a little disjointed, that's why. And now back to our previously scheduled program. I think that's all the new stuff. Uh, There was one. There was actually two other things that uh, we can briefly mention. Uh, With the Blood Angels stuff, they also uh, on uh, went up for pre-order is the Gladiator and its Ah, variants, and the uh, multi-part Assault Intercessor kit. Which so the those assault are, Intercessors are a good pair with the blood angels anyway, so well, definitely it's a good inter- time to release those. It's interesting because you know you mentioned before, like thinking about um, that there might be another um, n- other you know six core you know the 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 six space marine fa- uh, supplements and when they're going to get replaced. It does make me wonder if they're going if they do have one plan, like say. Uh, you know, Imperial Fists or something. Um, because at this point, they haven't released the Heavy Intercessor Squad yet. And there's still a few of those, like, you know, units that are still pending out there. And I wonder if, I mean, they, I guess they could release it with Dark Angels, but it seems like that would be a better fit with, like, Imperial Fists when they, like, update that, that supplement or something. So, there is still, there is still a future Space Marine release out there in the wind, because there are models that haven't been released yet. Uh, Dark Angels currently have... Um, yeah, every time they make an attack, unless they have moved, uh, add one to the attack roll, that's actually pretty good for heavy units, so... Yeah. I, I could see them releasing it alongside. Yeah, and like, I... Let me look in the book. I don't think those would get... I don't think those have the thing where they get death wing when they... Are in a space in a in a Dark Angels. Uh, a some of them do, uh, like well, but, I mean, like, but like pers- the specifically like, the heavy intercessors don't. No, I don't. They yeah. don't. No, they, they don't. Al- yeah. But also, Deathwing fluff-wise would only be veterans. So I guess that's true. Like, uh, like for example, uh, Terminator. Like I know their blade. Deathwing. I know their blade guard veterans get it. But okay, nah, I was just wondering. Like it just seems like I don't know. I, I don't know that that's a, a super good fit for. Dark Angels, but like I could see that being like an Imperial Fist release or something coming up. Yeah, so there's so there's at least one more Space Space Marine release out there, and that may or may not coincide with with another Codex supplement. I th- I think it'll be a little while before they re-release those, but you know, it just depends on what they decide to release over the net. I mean, we've got all yeah. of 2021 to look forward to as far as when stuff yeah. gets released. So. I just don't want to wait that long for the Heavy Intercessors, because I really want to throw those into my death watch. (laughs) Uh, I I have a feeling they'll be coming. Yeah, I I would put money on them being released with uh, Dark Angels. Yeah. But Uh, but anyway, that is all our news and new releases. So it's now time to move to your listener mail. As always, these letters are written by you, the listeners. And if you want to know how to get your letter read on the air, I will tell you how at the end of the segment. So, first one is from Ron Obringer. Ron writes, Greetings, dudes! Long-time listener and never submitted a question before. I hope you could share your thoughts on this. I was recently playing a game with my orcs against my friend, Sisters of Battle. It was a 2,000-point game, and the mission was number 21, Surround and Destroy. Sisters of Battle went first, orcs went second. In scoring turn four of the game, at the start of his turn, he scored Control-1, Control-2, and Control-More. In the course of his turn, I kill some units, or he moved off an objective. So, when it came out my turn on turn 4, at the start of my turn 4, I scored control 1, control 2, and control more. We use ITC battles to score, and as soon as I scored the control more, I got a warning, only one player can have control more in round 4. So it begs the question: When does score more happen? Is it at the command phase of player two? It doesn't say you can. It doesn't say you can only score, only score more, uh, control more once. Uh, the Grand Tournament Packet, page thirty-eight says: At the end of each player's command phase, the player whose turn it is scores five victory points for each of the following conditions they satisfy for a victim for a, max, for a maximum of fifteen victory points. They control one or more objectives. They control two or more objectives. They control more objective markers than their opponent controls. Uh, This primary objective cannot be scored in the first battle round. Unquote. Uh, Wondering if this is an oops on ITC Battles part or something we missed in the FAQs or something. Your thoughts would be appreciated. Stay safe. Oh, and... Ron. (laughs) So I looked into it, and Ron is absolutely right that the Grand Tournament Packet does say you score... Each player scores in their command phase. At the end of their command phase, they check, do they control one or more? Do they control two or more? Do they control more than their opponent? It is not per battle round. Traditionally, in like ITC games in the past, using the ITC mission packet, control more was something that was checked at the end of the battle round. But that's Mm -hmm. not how it is in the Grand Tournament packet, and that's not how it is in any of the missions in the core book either, I believe. So... Uh, This is actually a fault of ITC battles. I checked on the app myself and I recreated this situation. And yes, if you try to click control more on for player two, when player one has already had control more, it does throw that warning and will not let you proceed. But, and I'm surprised that no one had, like, I can't find any list, any, any note of somebody reporting this or being listed as a bug for ITC battles. They haven't put in, I mean, they've put in all the new missions, but I don't see any update implying that they, they they know it's an issue. So maybe we need to put a bug report out huh. there. But it is I mean, it is absolutely possible that because of how assault works, like somebody could end up like you could have an assault going on at an objective, and at the end of it, you've actually you know, you were stuck into assault last turn, you controlled the They control the objective, and now you control the objective on your turn. It seems unlikely, but it is absolutely possible. So, yeah, I think it's a – that is not – there's nothing in the FAQs that changes that. This is actually a bug in ITC battles covering a situation that, like I said, shouldn't happen often but could. I mean, we've all had instances where an assault goes badly for us on our turn. Yeah, no, and I I definitely think the way the missions are designed that that – that is the intent that you can, that when you score, you can, you know, you can get those. And that's, cause like, if you go through and you total up the, you know, when you select those missions, you total up all of the points, including the points to get more, like that gets you to, you know, the, the 90 points or whatever kind of the mission maximum is. So I, I think the intent absolutely is that you can both score that. Um, and it looks like it's a, an ITC battles issue. Yeah. So uh, if you have not put in a, a bug request on that, uh, let them know, uh, because they that is something they would have to fix from their end. Yep. All right. Next is a letter from Sam Pedneau. Uh, Sam writes, "Hey, preferred frenemy is a long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, first of all, my surname is pronounced Pedno, just to save you the trouble of pronouncing. Uh, fortunately, French is something I can generally pronounce, and Pedno is a French derivative name. But I do See, appreciate I'm, that knowing that you know mispronouncing is my thing. I'm really disappointed you didn't mispronounce it the first time and then correct yourself when you read the, read through the letter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, what? S- well." I I, maybe I could spell pronounce penno, but maybe I mispronounce same right (laughs) there we go (laughs) proceed does that make you feel better (laughs) that makes me feel better proceed with that out of the way I wanted to say I've been enjoying your new morale phase near the end do you think sometime you could do a morale phase on what is perhaps the closest thing to a 40k movie aside from the (laughs) emperor awful ultramarines while we got lots of sci-fi movies that have that grim dark feel such as Starship Troopers Riddick and the theoretically possible prequel Event Horizon I feel there's some other good 40k-esque films that aren't getting the attention think you guys could go over some movies to give that 40k fix in your next morale phase two movies I would like to toss out is Galaxy of Terror a space horror movie that actually has some good production for a Roger Corman movie and Hunter Prey that will have you thinking of a lone guardsman meeting a lone fire warrior hope this helps sincerely Sam Pedno, just for you Kevin (laughs) Uh, so first off Sam I would like to refer you to our episode number 213 in which we did just this that it was one of our earlier morale phases and uh Kevin you had suggested that we talk about movies that are 40k related or yeah, yeah and like event horizon and starship troopers were absolutely two of the ones that we that we mentioned and talked about um i i'm trying to remember what the other ones were but i know that like the movie uh priest with paul Bettany, yes. which is not a great movie but like it's fun like post apocalypse like future like ecclesiarchy, like, religious fanatic fervor, which is really cool. Um, uh, the Judge Dread with Carl Urban. Yeah, mm-hmm. Dread, which is, which which Dredd is, is a, a, a Necromundi movie, yeah. Yeah, and, which right. is... I mean, and, and honestly, even aside 40K, it's just a great movie. <laughs> like, it's a great action movie. Um, Pandorum I've, was one that I had Oh, mentioned. that's right. Yeah, Pandorum is a great one. Um, Event Horizon, you know, is... As you know, they mentioned the theoretically possible sequel. Like the the actual screenwriter of that mentioned that no, like I played 40K in the 90s, and that was absolutely in my mind when I wrote the script. So it's obviously like because IP things are are weird and legally nebulous, but like yeah, the intent was that Event Horizon is a 40K prequel. Yeah, like I, I have not seen the movies that he mentioned, Galaxy of Terror or Hunter Prey. So uh, Galaxy of Terror is actually available, like, I, I mean, it's available, I'm sure, to rent on, like, Amazon Prime or such, but uh, there's actually a version of it on YouTube with Spanish subtitles, like, hard-coded into it. <laughs> so, you know, obviously not a legit, you know, licensed copy, uh, but uh, I watched I mean, a little bit of it, and I watched, uh, there's a YouTube channel called Good Bad Flicks, which does, like, overviews of bad or kind of cult sci-fi movies and talks about the production you know both the plot and the production history and there were some very interesting things there like uh you know who worked on as like an assistant director and worked on like the special effects and such on galaxy of terror it's a dude called james cameron yeah i knew that he got his start with with roger corman yeah and Um, so a lot of the elements like, not so much the plot points. The plot is like, it started off as basically a ripoff, you know, homage to Alien. Right. Cause it's got, it involves like a ship getting a distress signal and going to, uh, a, uh, abandoned, you know, planet and finding this big pyramid full of stuff. So, you know, very, you know, very Alien esque in that regard. But, uh, But there's like visual elements that get reused in aliens. Mm. Like, and in fact, there's like a mon, you know, there's a scene where like a woman gets attacked and killed by a giant monster. And the rig that Cameron helped create for that was then later like refined and repurposed for the alien queen in Aliens. So it's like there's direct one to one relationship. Uh, but the, the, the plot is actually very interesting because. Like an alien movie, okay, well, yeah, that you know, it's it Gene Steeler in space, but that's actually not what this is. And what the plot ends up being is like all these people go into this this temple to find out what what's going on because they've been tasked by this company to go examine it, and they're all getting killed by like their fears manifested. And the guy who survives gets to the end and determine discovers that one of his crewmates is actually possessed by, like, this ancient being and says, oh, yeah, this entire place was created by, like, an ancient alien race to teach their, like, their young ones to, like, face their fears or die. And it's like, oh, that could totally be, like, a Xenos artifact or Xenos location that's tainted by chaos type thing. So it could totally be a 40K story. You You could basically have just, like, a rogue trader crew get sent to this place for salvage and then like have to literally have them having to fight their own inner demons. Oh, that sounds so cool. So that one's pretty good. And then uh, I looked up into hunter prey. I haven't watched any, any clips of that yet, but it's a, it's an indie sci-fi film that was done a few years ago and is basically comes down to like an alien being hunted by bounty hunters. And then eventually comes down to like, one guy and the alien, and the alien is kind of Tao-esque, from what I can tell. Hmm. So I, I see where I see where Sam's coming from on uh on that one being possibly a, a 40K esque movie. Uh, but yeah, Sam, like we we have covered that in episode two hundred and thirteen, but these are a couple of good additions to that list. And we're always looking for more forty K esque entertainment out there until we actually get legit 40k not ultramarines content which is coming we just don't know exactly when it's going to be out yet yeah and if anybody like wants to hit us up on on twitter or facebook with like other movie suggestions we can certainly like watch through them and and do an update to that morale phase like down the line oh yeah we absolutely should we also don't normally recommend, like, watching a movie through, like, a pirated channel, but it's a Roger Corman film, so I really don't care. <laughs> it's a Roger Corman film from, like, 1979 well, or 1980. It's, you're he fine. Is, he, he is notoriously cavalier with uh, with rights issues anyway, so I don't care kind of giving it back to him on that. <laughs> I mean, they've made their money off of that film, so <laughs> right. But, you know, but like, we're not recommend like we're not recommending pirating it. But if you find it on YouTube for free, eh. <laughs> all right. Uh, next up from uh, John Hillman. Uh, John writes, "Hey Rob, I've been listening to you guys for a few weeks now. After looking for a podcast to help me get into the hobby, finding a podcast that encompasses the topics you guys cover is one thing. Finding a podcast where the hosts aren't insufferable is another." I can't promise that we're not insufferable. I mean, good luck with that. (laughs) He hasn't heard all of my jokes yet. (laughs) <laughs> no, he's oh. not. No, he is. <laughs> As I mentioned the subject title, I'm extremely new, but after watching many YouTube videos about painting miniatures and making custom models, I've grown interested in the lore and the game itself. I was hoping to absorb the information as I listen to the random episodes I've downloaded, but I was wondering if there are some fundamental episodes I should listen to. I apologize if this is the thousandth time you've been asked this question, and, and start from episode one is a completely understandable answer, but with 9th edition being a new thing, I don't know how much I should should backtrack before things become obsolete thanks much john from socal uh don't listen to episode one uh besides the fact that the sound quality is actively terrible and for about the first 50 episodes it's pretty rough and the best member of the cast wasn't on it anyway so that this is also true uh but uh but i i would also say because the game has changed a lot like listening to the seventh edition episodes or sixth edition episodes or fifth edition episodes wouldn't help you the game has is yeah. so different like i remember like one of our early episodes was like here's how you like dealing with armor like how do you deal with vehicles what kind of weapons should you take some of that's true still but for very different reasons things work very differently now you mean uh, like vehicle facing yeah like right. vehicle facing Oof. is not being a thing yeah um So I, I would recommend starting with like episode 220, because that's when our ninth edition coverage starts. And we talked about the changes and the updates for the new edition. And then everything from 220 forward is all current edition, because it's talking about the new rules, the launch, getting started with the various start collecting boxes, and then like the codex reviews. So all of those are very relevant, Anything further back than that, like, it's it's really going to be, like, what you're interested in. Like, we do try to make our content, like, timeless in some cases. Like, it's hard to, like – because you're right. Like, a 7th edition Codex review is going to talk about things that were very specifically 5th or 6th or 7th edition that are not relevant anymore. But, episode, you know, we have several episodes that are, like, recently, like, 2.15, How to Start a New Army. Episode 208, Our Decade in Review – that I think the content for that is still applicable and still, like, makes sense to, like, go back and review. But um, hopefully there's some, you know, there's some ways that you can get, some things you can get out of that. But I think it's really just going back through the archive and finding out, like, say, for example, if you're really interested in Tau, maybe it is worth it to go back and re- download our 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th edition Tau Codex reviews just to get a feel of the history of the army. Yeah. Because... A lot of the core rules of ninth edition are still, you know, brought over from eighth. You know, really what changed, you know, was table size, uh, mission flow, and like a few things on timing and things like that. But a lot of the core mechanics are the same. The furthest back I would look at going is episodes like 152, Welcome to Eighth Edition, uh, episode 154, What We Like and Don't About Eighth Edition, um, and then like keep an eye out for like any episodes about like the big FAQs or things like that. But I wouldn't really go back any further than that unless you're interested in the history of particular armies. I, I would I'm definitely I'm try to there. remember Rob since I'm not looking at it.
2: We we have some where we've talked about like building painting, where we've had episodes solely on that, and that's well probably yeah. timeless no matter what
0: yeah, yeah but, like, like, like episode episode 122 where we had pimp cron on to talk about like narrative campaigns and things like that is useful any of the episodes that Alex hunt was on are are useful because he's re- he's excellent and just great at, to talk to about painting and hobby so there are episodes kind of interspersed in but I, I think it's just kind of going through the archive and finding what you think is interesting yeah but if you're focused purely on 9th edition, I will say we haven't really done uh, an intro to, like, how to play this edition episode. And maybe we need to. Maybe we just need to take uh, – maybe we can start the new year, like, rather than jump into co- more Codex reviews. Maybe we should make an episode on, on the, the basics of how to play this edition. Yeah. So – so, John, if you're willing to to wait for us a, a few weeks to kind of put together what we want to do on that and and get that started, with everyone else knowing that it does kind of push our codex looks a bit a bit off, um, I'm I think I'd be down for that. Yeah, yeah no, I think sure. that's a good idea. I mean, we, we also, unfortunately can't do a example
2: game, but yeah, <laughs> right. that's
0: we we yeah we've played a couple, but that was back in like August and. And we're kind of not even remotely close to each other, <laughs> except for, like, me and Richard could possibly do it, but outdoor games are getting a little cold now. so Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, just as a, as a quick aside, because I'm going back through the archive, um, our last Guard episode was in April of 2014, episode 75. <laughs> <laughs> as we said, there's a reason for that. <laughs> it's the army anyway, that we just kind of yeah. like, yeah, it exists. Uh, people play it. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> Uh, anyway, sorry. It just I, yeah. that just that was really funny to me as I was going through and looking at that. I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there's we we, we kind of uh, I left that alone. Well, blind spots are a thing. It you know what they say. Whatever whatever doesn't whatever makes you weaker actually makes you stronger because you I don't know. <laughs> you, All right, you didn't
2: next. see me like make the face of. I'm sweat dropping Kevin.
0: That was yeah. <laughs> All right, next up uh, we've got a pair of list-ish reviews. Um so first one's from Tom Crisp uh who wrote to us earlier asking us what should we buy, like, what should he buy from Forge World? Uh So he he writes, uh, Greetings, preferred enemies. Thanks for the discussion on whether to pick up something small or a big centerpiece model. I decided to opt for Serastus Knight Atropos because who doesn't love firing singularities at people? Its horse heresy rules are ridiculously hilarious, and it looks so cool. The Atropos is an awesome model. It is it is always like one of the biggest targets at any night joust we've played in. <laughs> just because of that that, uh, that particular bit can. of nastiness. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I've added it to my current knights, and I'm looking to expand into the below list. I'm wondering what you guys think. So he is running a knight atropos. A knight Perceptor with a meltagun, I have the Canis Rex box set magnetized, so I can build this one differently. Uh two Armager Helverins with Stubbers, two Armager warglaves with stubbers, two knight Morax, which are also Armagers, they are a forge world specific mechanicus uh mm-hmm. knight. And then uh, one assassin, most likely the Kalatus. This comes out to exactly 2,000 points. I was thinking of making the Atropos the Warlord with Ion Bulwark and spending a CP to get the Perceptor a trait, probably first knight, the Crashed one. Uh, any suggestions on relics? It's been a while since I've played my knight, and back then it was either the Crashed relic or endless fury on the crusader, which is matchup dependent. The only thing I don't own yet are the Moirax, so open to suggestions, but I feel like lots of armatures is the way with knights in the current environment. Thanks for everything you do, Tom. Uh, yeah, I've been seeing lists that use a lot of knights or a lot of armatures because you need the bodies to to control the table. Mm-hmm. And the 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 Moraks are particularly good because they're rad cleansers, like wound on twos. So it's it's a d six shots per gun, and then they wound anything that's infantry or basically not vehicles or Titanic on on twos. So they're really good at clearing out infantry. So, like, the more, the, the, the more are, are really good additions. The ones to that that I particularly like don't, I understand why they're there, but I don't know that I like them as much as the warglaves, cause I don't think they're as useful as the helverins. Um, but I get also from the points that, like, they're cheaper, so you kind of have to put them in there. But I, I would almost, well, actually, no, they're the same price as the, the Warglaves are the same price as the Miraxis, 155 points. Yeah. Obviously, like, it's not my money, so I'm not, you know, I can suggest whatever I want, but, um, I would say that you probably would get more out of having four Miraxis instead of two Miraxis and two Warglaves. But the Miraxis are also, like, a forge World unit that costs $60. Well, actually, that's not too bad. $60 per, per model. So, you know, it, that that increases your cost quite a bit to get two more of those, but I think you'd probably be better having two of those rather than the Warglaves because I, I just don't think the Warglaves are that good. <laughs> Personally, I I still like the Warglaves, and in fact, I picked up a box of Warglaves yesterday for my sister's themed night house because you know, melt a gun and a stubber mm-hmm. and a chainsaw is, it seems very appropriate. But yeah, I know the Helverins are definitely the the better choice for just pure range damage output. I mean the the yeah. Helverin autocannons are are devastating. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I think having, I, honestly though, having a mix of armagers is not a bad thing. Having you know, you know, having yeah. some that are that are like you've got a couple for shooting, uh, you've got a couple for, and actually the uh, Knight Moraxes can do double duty, because the Siege Claw is a pretty decent close combat weapon, too. Yeah, like, that's... And that's the thing. It's like... I guess the the trade-off is, the Siege Claw is probably as good or, frankly, probably better than what the Warglaives have. Because, actually, actually I think it is better, because it's a- it's strength times two, AP minus three, D6 damage. And you do extra damage to vehicles and Titanic units. Like, uh, the the advantage is, I guess, that the The Chain Cleaver can do the sweep attacks, so you can do more to clear out, like, infantry with those. But at the same time, like, you can also, like, just use the Rad Cleanser to shoot them. So I would probably go more with the Meraxes, but I I guess it's really kind of flavor to taste. Um, Yeah. But I do get the feeling that, like, especially with the Atropos and the Perceptor, this is much more of a uh, shooty knight list than it is like a close combat knight list. Um, you know, I mean, they're knights, so they're still good in close combat, but the Atropos is much better at shooting. Like, it's it's real. You know, the Grav Singularity and the Laz Cutters are. Well, I guess the last cutter is melee, okay? Um, but the the well, I guess it okay. It has a shooting and a melee profile, but yeah. like the Singularity Cannon is is devastating shooting. The Perceptor is, you know, can be devastating shooting as well. So it's like, I don't know. I, I get the feeling this is much more of a, a shooting night list than, um, than a, like get up in your face and melee night list. So right. I don't know that that's, that's my suggestion is that I, I don't know that I would put the Warglaives in because I think you get a little more flexibility out of more Moraxies, but, I also understand that that, like, doubles your cost for the army. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know about the Kalidus assassin, but you could ob- obviously spend command points to change out which one you have. So that's fine. Yeah. You know, if, if you find, like... Like, the Kalidus one, you know, pops up, you know, near units and kills them. But, like... I would think you might want to have something like a Calexus available. I mean, they're all the same point cost, so it doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter. It's just which one you think is going to fit better. But if I remember, yeah, Uh, they they also have that stratagem where you can switch where you can switch it out. So that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's one of those where like knights are in a very odd position because if you don't have the assassin in there, he just has 100 points that that's dead. And there's not really any upgrades he can add that would fill that 100 points. So, like, you might as well throw an assassin in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I don't here's know if the the ones- is the best, but yeah. Now, here's the downside uh, to that uh, bringing an assassin. This is something I discovered in the list building. And he may have already figured this in, but he didn't mention it. But I do think it's important for listeners to know. You only can add the free uh, Officio Assassinorum unit without taking up slots if you have a patrol, battalion, or brigade imperium detachment. Mm -hmm. The super heavy detachment is none of those. Right. Yeah, so you are losing command points to bring them in. So you are going to have to pay 2 CP to be able to bring that in. But as you said, there's nothing else that you can slot in 100 points. And an assassin is a good add-in for this army, honestly, because it gives you capabilities that you can't get anywhere else. But I would be ready to spend... Two two more CP to swap out assassins if the Calidus isn't going to help you. The other the other thing that I guess would be worthwhile or that you could look at is really just going through and like adding in like a if you took the assassin out you could add like a uh um rocket pod to the Perceptor and like upgrade the the um the Wyvern, the, the Wyverns, the Helverns and the the Warglaives to have like Melta Guns instead of Heavy Stubbers, which adds a few points here and there. You're still going to wind up being about 30 points short, but that's better than being a 100 points short. And I again, I think you probably would actually get more utility out of like the Assassin slot, whether it be your Vindicare to take out, you know, to snipe enemy characters, or you know the the Calexis to just shut down psychics and things like that. So mm-hmm. I I don't really have a, a strong opinion on either one of those. I think the assassin's a good a good add in. Oh yeah, I I agree with that. I I just like I don't know about that particular assassin. Yeah yeah. So yeah. my recommendation to Tom would be to have at least three. I don't know if you'd ever really need to drop in the Eversor, but have the have all at least have all four assassins available and then be ready to spend CP to swap one out. for right. the, You know, swap the Calidus yeah. out for something else or run whichever one you think you're going to get the most use out of, whether it's the Vindicare or the Calexus, and then swap out if you need that particular utility from like a Calidus or whatever. sore. Right. Uh, I would say as far as relics, so you've got the headsman's mark, which is good for killing other big things. Uh, increase the damage characteristics of the bearer's weapons by one for attacks made against enemy units containing models with a wounds characteristic characteristic of 10 or more increase it by two if you're attacking other titanics. So if you're going after other knights, uh, it's actually a really good pick. Um, if you're going armager heavy, though, I would look at the helm Dominatus. Uh, once per battle round, at the start of either your shooting phases or fight phase, you can choose a unit from your opponent's army that's within 24 inches of the bearer until the end of the phase. Add one to hit rolls for attacks made by household armature class models against that enemy unit while they're within six inches of the bearer. So you basically, like, one one turn, you pick something, and you say, I want that thing to not be there anymore and the armagers as long as they're close up with that per, you know with that perceptor in this case uh, will try to make it. So and he's already making them reroll hit rolls of 1 because the perceptor has mentor. So like you could basically make this buff up your armagers in any way. And that could be and it's just attacks. It's not melee attacks. So you could be, like, you know, there's a guy within 24 inches of me, and I'm right next to these Helverins. I want it gone. Yeah. So that's where I would lean, because I really don't know. Like, otherwise, you're looking at, let's see. I mean, there's there's some just generally good ones. One that, that makes, like, two-plus armor, like, arm, uh, armor of the Sainted Ion. Yeah. Which gives you two-up two up armor, which is nice. But eh. the nice thing is, if you're doing this on the Atropos, the Atropos already has the five-up phone so I don't know. There's one that well, gives you, like... Well, these are specifically like, for the Perceptor. This is specifically oh, put on... Oh, it is specific on the Perceptor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, I was... So, when I was looking at it, because I guess I didn't realize which one he was using as his Warlord, I was looking at um, Heirlooms. Like, I, I would, would recommend the Headsman Mark if you're putting it on the Atropos, because oh, yeah, the Atropos definitely. already gets other benefits going after big vehicles. So... Being able to re-roll wounds against Titanic or uh, monsters or vehicles, as well as the extra damage, like, that pairs really well together. Um, right. But, yeah, if you're putting on the Perceptor, then, yeah, I think you go with the uh, – I forget the name of the one you just said it was <laughs> – uh, the the Helm Dominatus. Helm Dominatus. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I think that's – if you're going to put that – if you're using the Perceptor as your Warlord, I think that's absolutely the one that you you take there. Or if you have the command points, do both. Yeah. But, I mean, I think bo- yeah, both of those would be good. The crashed one is really good for the Atropos, but I would say... And it also depends, like, or if you're going to keep the Atropos in the back, maybe you give it the Helm Dominatus instead, because it could be hanging out with the Helverins. But mm-hmm. with that many Armagers, I would look at that as a way to buff up the Armagers. Because otherwise, it's like, Sanctuary's not bad. Like, Sanctuary's always good. Armor of the Sainted Ion is always good. Ravager is kind of specific to just the Perceptor. Mark of the Omnissiah means you have a one in six chance of regenerating wounds, which you're going to do anyway as a Questor Mechanicus house. So I, I'd, I'd rather have something that always works rather than something that works a little bit of the time. So yeah, I, I would lean towards, yeah, Headsman's Mark on the Atropos or Helm Dominatus on the uh, Perceptor. Or the preceptor. Preceptor. It's not preceptor. It's preceptor. Preceptor. Yeah. Preceptor. All right. And then our final letter is from Paul Candle. And this was the one that actually came in last episode, but we had just gotten the Forge World book and uh, Battle Scribe hadn't been updated. So uh, let me uh, read this and bring the list up. Uh, Paul Candle writes hello Rob and gentlemen first the comedy don't be afraid of cooties otherwise the world will stay at a standstill so go ahead lick the glass drive fast take chances remember a chance not taken is a wasted opportunity for a cool hospital trip in those thingies with the flashing lights seriously though stay healthy not everyone has the same morbid warped view I have thanks for many and many blessings on everyone this holiday season on to the list. I wanted to mix Admech and Imperial Knights. I left points off so that when you guys rip the list to shreds, I have extra points to work with. Also, this list is light on the melee combat, except for one unit, if you guessed, a Lord of War unit. Ding, ding, ding. The idea is to shoot everyone off the table while taking objectives turns one through three and then trying to hang on till turn five. I will send you my Goofy Necrons list in a separate email. (laughs) Uh, so, So I had his original list, and then I actually made some suggested changes. So his original list... Uh, is his he's got a Mechanicus battalion, which is Forge World Metallica again, the most unfortunately named of the Forge Worlds. Uh, which uh, that's basically advance and shoot with no penalty. Yeah, Metallica is yeah. If they advance, they ignore the penalty for firing assault weapons and treat rapid fire weapons like assault weapons. So r- the rapid fire becomes assault weapon one. Then they'd have the minus one to hit for firing and advancing. So uh, he has a Tech Priest Dominus with the uh, Adamantine arm as a, a relic. Otherwise, it's pretty much stock Volkite blaster, a macro stubber, Omniscient um, Axe. Uh, then a Tech Priest Engine Seer with just the last pistol. His troops are a unit of three Cataphron Breachers with arc claws and heavy arc rifles, a unit of uh, Cataphron Destroyers with heavy grav cannon, And Phosphor Blasters. A unit of Skatari Rangers with Galvanic Rifles. He doesn't specify how many, so we're just going to go with the stock five. Um, A unit of Sekitari Peltasts, which is a Forge World-specific unit uh, with Gravitic casters, which... uh, Their basic thing is they have lots of shots, I believe. Right. Yeah, I I believe that's... Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Um, Sekitari Peltasts, uh, they have... Yeah, their weapons are either Flechette, which is eighteen inch assault three strength four AP one or AP zero damage one, or hammer shot strength twenty four or twenty four inch range strength twenty four Jeebus, uh, twenty four inch heavy one strength five AP minus two one damage. Um, they have a five up and vulnerable save. They have Canticles of the Omnissiah. They do not have a Forge World trait. They do not prevent you from ever having one, but they never gain one. They are instead tied to Titan Legions. So unless you are using Titans. They don't really do anything special. And then uh, once per battle, they can fire a blind barrage, which basically, instead of shooting, so they don't do any damage, but they make somebody else subtract minus one to hit with ranged attacks. Or anybody who tries to shoot that unit, which I don't know how many people are going to try to shoot at this unit. That doesn't really bring a lot to the table, but yeah, uh, so, but he's got a unit of those and then a Scorpius Dune Rider to carry them in which is just the transport that has all the stubbers. And then he has two times Kalexis assassins, which you can't really take. You can only take one. So we're just going to say he's got one Kalexis assassin. And then uh, he has a uh, super heavy detachment of Imperial Knights. Uh, he's, he has this marked as House Riza. I think he means House Raven because House Raven has the same ability as House Metallica. And uh, his list is, again, we're going to see lots of armatures, two Helverins, two Moiraxes with Siegeclaw and Rad Cleanser, and two Moiraxes with Lightning Locks, which this list comes in as written at 1,609 points, so he does leave us with nearly 400 to play with. My concern is if the goal is to hold objectives and then like take objectives first three rounds and then try to to weather the blows afterwards the peltasts and the rangers are not going to get that job done they're very weak um i don't think he has enough troops the helverins aren't bad but only the siege claw moraxes are made for close combat so they're the only ones that are going to really be able to move up the field and get in people's faces the rest are meant to kind of sit back and shoot i was looking at this list i'm like this list doesn't... Like, it's got a lot of bits, but they're small bits and they don't quite... They're not quite enough. So I went ahead and did a modified version and this is what I put together. It comes in at 1,998 points. And uh, we still have the Kalexis Assassin. We still have the Tech Priest Dominus. I put in a Tech Priest Manipulus. You know, besides all the normal healing stuff, he can also... Uh, boost, uh, he, like at the start of your movement phase, he can bolster your, uh, units. So, like, bolster warriors add one to the move characteristic of friend, forge world units while they're within six inches of any friendly models with this ability, and also add one to advance and charge mode, or char- advance and charge rolls. So, if you need to move up, like, say, those breachers or destroyers, he can make them move faster, which is good. Or he can bolster weapons, which add six inches to their range if they have an unmodified range characteristic of 24 inches or more and they add two inches to the maximum range of everything else as long as they're within six inches of him so he can basically get those units moving faster or give them more range um i then added i i took the uh cataphron breachers and i'm Put six of them in with arc claws and heavy arc rifles. I did a unit of six cataphron destroyers and I replaced the heavy grav cannon with plasma culverins. It's more expensive, but I think it's just a more generally good weapon. Um, And then two units of rangers for like maybe capping objectives in the back. And we've got extra points. uh, A unit that I've seen, I, I did some looking at what... Uh, competitive Mechanicus lists have been using in ninth edition because fortunately Goonhammer has been keeping a pretty good track of the top three armies at any competitive event that's been happening for those that have been going on. And one unit I saw a lot of and that we actually had points for here was Cerberus Raiders, which are the uh, basically the the sniper Rangers on on robo dog horses. Mm -hmm. So two units of five of those Because they, uh, they are fast. You know, they can ignore, like, they can pick out characters if need be. They get a free movement at the beginning of the first battle round. They've got three wounds each. So they are, you know, a unit of five has 15 wounds that somebody's gonna have to chew through. They are only tough three, but they do have a six up and vulnerable. Uh, 12 inches of movement and a free, you know, and a free move the first turn. They're gonna get onto objectives fast. So you can get them onto objectives and then, Push up with the cataphrons and then hold those objectives later in the mm. game. Uh, but two units of those, and then I pretty much kept the Imperial Knights as they were because you know if the goal is to have a lot of knight bodies, uh, trying to replace these with you'd like to replace one of them with a knight, you'd have to like take three of the armagers out, and I just I think that's more of a shift than I want to do. The one thing is to make it a legal detachment. I had to make one of the Helverins a character. Yay. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now granted, uh Mechanicus is not one of my is, is not an army I, I've played against a few uh few Mechanicus armies. Um I tried putting uh I, I tried to see if I could fit in uh Datalosis, who is the tech priest from Blackstone Fortress Escalation Box. He's pretty good. But I, I just couldn't figure out a, a good place for him to to slot in and still have the points work out right. Um, you could play around with the cataphrons a bit because a, a bit. You could play around with the Catafrons a bit because the destroyers are like fifty three points apiece. They're you know they they are pricey. The breachers are thirty five points apiece. Um, I looked at uh, other op- options. I looked at to see if I could fit in would be the Archaeopter fusilad which is the one with all the guns. That one I've seen in a couple of lists as well. Again, it's a fast mobile unit. It doesn't have the ability to really cap objectives though. Cause it is an aircraft. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a lot to say, but like, I do think that, um, more, more breachers, more destroyers is a good thing. I, I do like the variety of night, you know, the, the armature bodies that are, that are out there. I think those are going to be, um, targets and things that are difficult to take out and i think that's going to allow your you to have time to get your destroyers and breachers um you know up and up and being able to cap objectives the the raiders are an interesting addition because i i don't think i've ever played against them but um I do like the the speed element that they bring to an ad background. I don't think too many people have just because they came out during that period when everything was locked down, <laughs> so mm-hmm. nobody could really play against them. But as I said, you know they've they've shown up in a good number of lists, and I can see why because they can just yeah, get yeah. the drop on your opponent. Oh, no, I was wrong. The fusilav, uh, if I did, there's no Archaeopter in this list, but the Fusilov is the bomber, so uh, oh, okay, having some flyover damage output's not bad. But like I said, doesn't necessarily help you hold uh objectives i did drop the secutari peltasts from the list because again i don't since they don't even benefit from your forge world choice i don't think they really bring anything and i did take the transport out because with the cerberus raiders and the manipulus i think you've got you can move other things up the board fast enough and just having some more cogniz heavy stubbers like if it was the if it was the other tank with like the the mortar I'd definitely look at including that but you've got that heavy weapon covered with all the the armagers so I don't think you necessarily need it right uh, again this is this is a lot of theory hammer for me because mm-hmm. you know I haven't had a chance to play against some of the newer mechanicus stuff but this is what like I've played against lists with lots of breed, like lots of catathrons. They are hard to chew through. They're very, like, they're very difficult to chew through, especially if they've got a tech priest backing them up. The rangers, like that, there's ninety points there of rangers. You could, you need at least one one of those two units for troops. And I just had enough points to like slot in a second one. I figured, eh, a couple of cheap troop units, like I said, for holding objectives mm-hmm. in your deployment zone. Or to move up to find like if you find one that's just not being currently used by something, uh it it would be good. But I it's this list, it it's still the same basic flavor. I think just tuned a bit. Um as far as warlord traits, like I didn't really get into to warlord traits. I think there's there's a lot of different options you could go for. Let's see, the mechanic let's see, the Metallica one is Ordered efficiency, if a friendly metallic unit is within six inches of your Warlord when it falls back, it can still shoot during its turn, but you must subtract one from that unit's hit rolls in the shooting phase. That's actually not a bad one if it's on the Tech Priest, because if he's uh, following up with one of those uh, Breacher units, they if somebody tries to get them stuck in combat, they could then fall back and still shoot. So that would actually be a pretty good way to support them. So there's, there's one out of engine war that's, uh, learnings of the, the gen, the genitor, genitor. I don't know how the words pronounce genitor. Yeah. Which is you basically give your warlord an aura ability. And specifically, the reason why I think this is useful is that you basically can give breachers and destroyers, uh, five up, feel no pain, which is, which can be super useful, especially since you're kind of building that as the core of the army. I think that's useful, um, because it just makes them, it makes an already, two already tough units even that much. Harder to to break through. Yeah. I didn't really see any of the other like warlord traits out of engine war. The the codex that jumped out to me as like specifically like not none of them are bad, but none of them like are specifically useful. Like there's a couple that allow you to like reroll your canicles and and things like that, which are just generally useful. But I, I think that. Ordered efficiency is really good, and I think learnings of the the, the janitor is also uh, a good one. Also, for your canicles, you might consider swapping out one for the Metallica one. Uh, the Metallica uh, canicle is when resolving an attack against an affected unit by an enemy model within nine inches, which could be assault or nine, you know shooting close up, especially if you're pushing forward. Uh, subtract one from the hit roll. Nice. So just make your guys that much harder to hit. That's always a good ability. So that's one I would consider if you're going to do that swap. But yeah, uh I think I, this is at least something I would test out. I again, I can't necessarily vouch for a lot of it in play, but this seems to be kind like I would put the uh the mechanicus portion, you know, this is closer to what you're seeing at a lot of the higher end tables, uh, obviously for a reason. Um, but again, I'm not also, I'm seeing enough flexibility. It's just, there are some units that are like, well, this unit is really good for certain things. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, so, but hopefully Paul, um, this is close enough to where you were going with it that, uh, you can still kind of, you know, get that same gameplay feel, but with, uh, a little bit more, uh, so, you know, m- maybe a little bit more resiliency and speed and getting the most out of your, uh forge world trade because like i said those those peltasts interesting and if you have the models i can understand why you'd want to use them because forge world models but i don't think they necessarily bring anything to the list and not as much as they could so mm-hmm. and if you have a list you'd like us to look at or a question you want uh, to have answered or want our opinion or just uh Comment, critique, what have you. Uh, there's three good ways to do that. Uh, first is our emails. You can email us at our first names at enemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. Uh, second is Facebook. We are at Facebook.com slash preferred enemies. You can like us there, follow us and message us. And third is, uh, Twitter. We are at Twitter.com slash preferred enemy singular. And we take questions and comments from all of those, throw them together, put them in the hopper and try to get through as many as we can in a decent amount of time. Uh, hopper is now currently empty. So if you want to get in now is the time, uh, In addition, uh, we have a Patreon if you want to help support the show. Uh, if you have the extra money available, especially with the holidays coming up and people having, you know, the winter being just a hard time in general, we would recommend, uh, donating money to charities, whether they are food banks. I know, uh, Texas has been particularly hit hard. With food bank needs, they've had, uh, you know, you can see news stories of cars stretching out for miles. So uh, if there are food banks in your area or rent funds or people who need assistance because, you know, jobs are restricted because of, you know, upcoming you know, potential lockdowns or anything like that, we recommend uh, supporting those you know, local charities. But if after that you still want to help support the show, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash preferred enemies uh, and uh, it's basically just an online tip jar. We don't put any content behind a paywall, so all our episodes are free for everybody. This is just a way to help support the show. It pays for our hosting. Uh, it's possibly going to be paying for a recording service as we have been struggling with technical difficulties and we may have found an option that seems to work pretty well Uh, but uh, if you want to do that uh, even if it's just a dollar a month enough people put in a dollar it does really help out Uh, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back uh, we're going to take a look at our main topic which is the new codex space or codex supplement space wolves see you in a bit
1: miniatures we build them we paint them we love them that's why we also want to
2: get
0: them to the battle and back again safely and that's where KR MultiCase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard sized miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models.
1: KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard
0: cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army,
1: or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com.
0: KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. they professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling
2: grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game
1: Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if
2: you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding board portable gaming area
0: and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. we're back and that means it's time for our main topic which is our look at codex supplement space wolves uh that's right it is now a codex supplement not a standalone book so you will require codex space marines to play this army which i know
2: that's what kevin had been wishing for but now i'm kind of sad i have to now i'm kind of sad i have to carry two books with me to actually play space wolves
0: yeah i mean it does the downside yeah it does make the book, you know, let, lets them just focus on the space wolfy parts in here. So and, and it is a smaller, thinner book. I will say, like, as these have been coming out, so like Death Watch, we're, we're not Death Watch Space Wolves. And then I've got Blood Angels on my shelf now because we have that. And my the amount of space my books <laughs> are taking up is smaller, which I appreciate. <laughs> also, the the taller form factor lets them have a little bit more content on the page and thus a thinner book but yes you will require two books to play and also like you can't just rely on it for your like unit data sheets because you've also got your chapter tactic in here for space wolves so we're going to refer back to codex space marines for a bit uh if you are playing space wolves your chapter tactic is hunters unleashed uh, each time a model with this tactic makes a melee attack, if that model's unit made a charge move, was charged, or performed a heroic interaction this turn, add one to that unit, add one to that attack roll. Units with this tactic are eligible to perform heroic interventions as if they were characters. Uh, that last part I think is really cool. Yeah, I mean the yeah. the plus one to hit is good, but be, everybody being able to to move up three inches if there's an enemy in, within range is great.
2: Right, it just makes them more mobile, a little more deadly. Because hey, if you get close enough to us, we're gonna move in.
0: Yep. Let's see. They have access to all the chapter command stuff. If I, I don't see them having any limitations there. And uh, their chapter warlord trait is beast slayer, which I think gets. Did it get reprinted in here? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I got reprinted as warlord trait number one. So we'll we'll get to that in warlord traits because. Uh, much like last time, their warlord traits do some different stuff. But they they work a little bit differently than everybody else's. But so we'll get to their warlord trait in time. Now, as far as building their army, I mean, you get access to all the Space Marine tactics, all or all the Space Marine. You get access to all the Space Marine stratagems, all the Space Marine relics, and then actually building your army, uh, you do have a number of restrictions. Uh, you cannot use. Uh, The following units cannot be from Space Wolves chapter or any of their successor chapters, which Space Wolves, I don't think, had successor chapters, so apparently now you can make them. They do now. Yep. Uh, You cannot take an Apothecary, an Assault Squad, a Devastator Squad, a Stern Guard veteran Squad, a Tactical Squad, or a Vanguard veteran Squad. So they're even a bit more restrictive than Death Watch.
2: Well, we'll see why in a bit.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, like, if you take... uh, Lieutenants or uh, veterans, like company veterans, blade guard veterans, uh, veteran intercessor squad, any of like the term like Terminator ancient, uh, like yeah, any of the ancients, uh, they gain the Wolf Guard keyword. And if you take uh, bikes, they get the uh, what Swift Claw keyword. Yes, that is correct. And it does change how many models you can take in it. So uh, so there's some units that used to exist in the Space Wolf Codex that don't because they've just done some uh, keyword shifting inside the main Space Marine Codex. But uh, we get into the Space Wolves themselves. And yes, they do specify that there, there's an entire page on building Space Wolf successor chapters, which again, fluff-wise, I didn't realize was a thing. I also like
2: that in the fluff they talk about how um, Call and Bobby G came by and said, "Hey, here's these Primaris," and Space Wolves like, "Thanks, we'll take them. We're not going to use them how you intend." And they assigned them different roles within the Space Wolves themselves based on how they thought they would fit Space Wolves. I'm like, "That's pretty cool." And they're like, "Thanks for the gifts. We're going to use them how we want to."
0: Yeah, well, I mean, and that—that's a very Space Wolfy thing to do. All right, so uh when we get into the Space Wolves themselves. Uh, so you've got your the detachment abilities uh which um we're going to jump around a little bit because they mention a couple of these and they will come into play later. There's really three abilities you need to know about or actually I guess well, three and then a uh, deta- then the your super doctrine. So the three things you need to know about are berserk charge and headstrong. Which go hand in hand because all of your your blood claws, swift claws, sky claws will have these abilities. Uh, Berserk Charge says if this unit has either the Hunter's Unleashed Chapter Tactic or it has Inheritors of the Primarch Successor Tactic and it's using Chapter Tactic Space Wolves, which basically means your your successor. Then each time it fights, if it made a charge move this turn, then until the fight is resolved, add one to the attack's characteristic. So basically, if you charge, you get an extra attack. Okay, cool except for the Wolfguard models that are attached. But alongside that is Headstrong. If this unit does not contain a Wolfguard model, then each time the unit declares a charge, you have to select the closest possible target for the charge. They will just grunt at the first thing that comes their way.
2: Which is very fluffy. The Wolfguard are there to kind of have the youngsters keep them in line and, and make sure they don't just charge at the closest thing they see.
0: Right, right. And, th- and that's kind of always been in the, the Space Wolf, you know, codex. They've just kind of made it a couple of abilities that they can repeat over multiple units just for ease of ease of management. Because, again, Games Workshop has figured out that having some rules that are kind of standardized is good, even if it's just within a codex. Uh, finally, Swift Hunters. This unit is eligible to declare a charge even if advanced. In addition, each time the unit piles in or consolidates, it can move an additional inch. And then finally, you, the, if you're, every unit in your army is space wolves, then you have the following, and every unit that has the combat doctrine's ability has the following. Savage fury, while the assault doctrine is, of, is active for your army, each time a model in this unit makes a melee attack, an unmodified hit roll of six scores an additional hit. So you have a chance to have your attacks explode somewhat if it's, if you're an assault. So, you're talking turn three onwards. So, your first, like if you pull off a first or second turn charge, it's not going to happen. But once you get into the later game, your attacks explode.
2: Or, since we'll talk about it in a bit, but Wolfen get that all the time.
0: Yes. All right. uh, Underneath stratagems, uh, only two pages of specific stratagems, again, because all the generic ones are in Codex Space Marines. And a couple of them are, you know, your standard uh, Requisition, uh, Thane of the Retinue, you know, like you get an extra extra relic you can use, or you can pick a character to get an extra warlord trait. Those are pretty standard.
2: I mean, I kind of like Cloaked by the Storm, if you've got a Psyker there, because that kind of gives you a bubble of, not concealment, but minus one to hit right. in your units.
0: Yeah, and it's not tied to like a cover ability, so anything that ignores cover is still going to have to... S- deal with that minus one also another one and this will tie into warlord traits which we're going to get to in a bit is deed worthy of a saga which uh if you have a character who does not have a warlord trait and they do something that qualifies them to meet the requirements of a saga they gain the saga until the end of the battle so if they pull off something cool which we'll have the list for in just a bit they can get that um otherwise let's see one reason we don't have apothecaries is you have wolf priests and wolf priests uh can spend you can spend CP to have them heal models. Savage Strike, again, like if you, it's kind of like having uh, Berserk Charge. If you uh, use strat in your fight phase, uh, when a space wolf unit from this army is selected to fight, if they made a charge move, add one to their attack wound roll, so they become more likely to wound as well. Uh, if the unit has five or fewer models, cost costs one CP. If it's more than that, it's two. They have one that makes them uh, hate on Thousand Suns Hardcore. You select a unit with fights. Anytime it's fighting a thousand suns, uh, they can reroll the hit and wound rolls. As it should be. As it should be. You can have any uh, unit in your army gain outflank for a CP each. You can have units consolidate an extra three inches with relentless assault. Pack hunters, uh, which lets you, uh, like, get your, your wolves and your cavalry, like, your cyberwolves or your cavalry working better like you can either use yeah use a stratagem in your charge face like one enemy unit within engagement range of any Space Wolves unit from your army until the end of the turn uh anytime a friendly Space Wolves beast or cavalry unit charges that unit uh roll an extra d6 discard one until the end of the turn whenever they the cavalry makes its attack with crushing teeth and claws on uh, each time a friendly beast model makes an attack with its teeth and claws re-roll wounds so Really making uh, Thunderwolf calves solid, and we're going to see more of that as we get in. Uh, They've got keen senses to ignore any penalties to either ballistic skill or charge rolls. There's a counter charge strat which uh, lets your units heroically intervene six inches, and if it's a character, it's free. Nice. (laughs) Um, Also, bestial nature. We talked about like the assault doctrine. Um, use a stratagem in your combat phase. If a combat doctrine is active for your army, select one space wolf's infantry, cavalry, or biker unit from your army. Until the start of your next co- command phase, that unit gains the bonus of the assault doctrine instead of the active combat doctrine. Now, read that carefully. It doesn't say they treat it as if assault doctrine is on. It says they gain the bonus. So in this case, it would be the improvement to AP. It would not cause Savage Fury to kick in. Because Savage Fury isn't actually active, it's just changing out which bonus you get. So be aware of that. And then we get into Warlord traits, and like the Warlord traits are you know relatively standard kind of things like uh, Beast Slayer, which is the one that got reprinted from Codex Space Marines. If you're an engagement rate, if your Warlord's in engagement range of any monster or vehicle units, add one to its attack characteristic and add one to the hit and wound roll if you're attacking a monster or vehicle. So it's like you want to kill the big things. Wolfkin, uh, you, you're you always treated as having made a charge move for the purpose of getting an extra attack from Shock Assault, and you get D3 additional attacks instead of one, which, that is awesome. And that's also the one that Canis Wolfborn gets as stock. Um, Warrior Born, at the start of the fight phase, if the warlord is within engagement and range of enemy units, it can fight first that phase. Hunter, add one to your advance and charge rolls, and you're eligible to charge in a turn which you advanced or fell back. Uh, r of majesty add three inches to the range of the warlord's rights of battle tactical precision chapter master and spiritual leaders abilities to a maximum of nine and add three inches to the range of any litanies recited if you're using a chaplain instead and then resolve the bear uh you ignore wounds on a on a six on a d6 and then uh, each time an attack is made against the warlord your opponent cannot re-roll the wound roll and cannot re-roll the damage roll okay i like those last two yeah, being able to just, you know, not only shrug off wounds but just basically say, "Oh, you screwed up. I'm sorry. That's that's it." And, you know, that shuts down reroll strats, that shuts down any abilities that would allow you to to reroll wounds. I mean, that's that's fantastic. But then we get into sagas. And sagas are interesting because this ties in with the warlord trait. Now, in the In the previous version of the Space Wolf Codex, every Warlord trait had a saga assigned with it. You did a thing, and then basically the Warlord trait just became an aura of, like, a six-inch aura of do the same thing. Here, it's not exactly. So, Beast Slayer. Uh, Beast Slayer, the deed that you have to do for this saga is an enemy monster or vehicle unit is destroyed as the result of an attack made by this model. The saga is and becomes an aura of while a friendly space wolf's core unit is within six inches of this model, each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack against a monster vehicle, add one to the attack's wound roll. So you get a watered down version of the warlord trait as an additional aura. It's not the full ability, but it's related to it. Hmm. Wolfkin, uh, you destroy an enemy model as the result of a melee attack. That one's going to be real easy to pull off. Uh, but the aura is, while this unit is uh, within six inches, while the Space Space Wolves core unit is within six inches of it, unit always treated as having made a charge move. So again, they get half of it. Uh, Warrior Born, you destroyed an enemy character model. Uh, as a result of the fight phase, you fight, you know, the, they fight first. Uh, that one's actually pretty much the, the not watered down version. But there's not much you can do to weaken the fight first move. Hunter successfully charge an enemy unit. Uh, I hope you can pull that one off. And that one, core units, core units can advance and charge, but they don't get the advance. They don't get the charge if they fell back. And if they have swift hunters, they can also charge if they fell back. So you get, again, like half of it. R of majesty. Their deed is at the start of your command phase. The model is within a range of an objective marker that is more than six inches away from your deployment zone and while a friendly Space Wolves core unit is within six inches of this model, each time a morale phase is taken for that unit, it's automatically passed. That one's very different <laughs> than its warlord trait. So
2: they should really know no fear here,
0: right? And then finally, resolve the bear. Uh, if you lose any wounds, you have triggered the deed, <laughs> which is interesting because whereas like a lot of these, the deed is something that you want that like the, the your warlord trait actively helps you do. In this one, the re, the warlord trait prevents you from triggering this one if it's working right <laughs> but uh, if you lose any wounds which you will because you're only shrugging them off on a six while a friendly space wolf core units within six inches of the model you get the six up feel no pain So some of these deeds are very easy to pull off like successfully charge an enemy unit or kill an enemy model and then some of them are like yeah don't don't lose a wound if you lose a wound that or try not to lose a wound but if you lose a wound you get the ability <laughs> It's a very space wolfy thing. Right. And I still really like the sagas because one, you said it's
2: a space wolfy thing, but two, it makes them feel like, Hey, I'm doing deeds and they're getting acknowledged for the deeds they're doing on the battlefield, which is also a very space wolfy thing.
0: And the funny thing is, like, I can't even go back and reference the space wolf codex, like the print version of the, of the eighth edition codex because they had to, they had to errata that in to the codex. Like, (laughs) just the English version. Yeah, just the English version because they realized they hadn't printed it in the English version. And the funny thing is, they also didn't reprint those that errata in Saga of the Beast when they did that Psychic Awakening book. So at no point has that ever been in English print other than as an errata document. Good job there, Ramrod. I mean, I don't see, I don't see where the problem is, but you know. <laughs> it's just what, nice you to know can't that we read finally <laughs> nine. <laughs> My daughter is learning German, and she could eventually read it, but I can't. And also, that uh, bringing up Saga of the Beast, that's one thing to keep in mind. As these codexes come out, their sections of Psychic Awakening books are rendered invalid. Uh, in fact, they even mentioned that like when they released the uh, PDF indexes to kind of patch these over until the codex supplements could come out, they referenced, like, yeah, this document, like the index, replaces everything from their old codex and from their psychic awakening books until this codex comes out. And then the codex is the definitive document. So like any stratagems they had in saga of the beast that they don't get reprinted, they're gone per their special litany of battle. It's gone. So yeah, I've, uh, eventually Psychic Awakening books will just become useless, which I mean, they were technically narrative books, but they were also codex patches, so like some armies will be needing them, some won't and some armies are going to lose things from them, so just be aware of that fact. They're like oh, I was going to use this from Saga of the Beast. Well, now you're not. And anything that was in there that was specific, like for example the stats of the new Ragnar Blackmane uh, have been replaced with whatever's in here. I do like that they at least like kind of finally specified that and said like you know and cleared that up because I know a lot of people were trying to use elements from those books in like the new codexes and, and I'm just glad that they kind of cleared all that up. It makes it a lot simpler. Well, it I does. To talk about the two versions of Iron Priest.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, well, you know it is it is kind of a thing. But uh but yeah, they are doing a much better job in general of making sure that there's that any situations like this where something might appear in multiple books or which book takes takes precedent, they're being clear clearer on. Now unfortunately they don't state that in the book. So hopefully they'll release errata documents for the various psychic awakening books that just say these pages are are replaced by or superseded by Codex Supplement Space Wolves, uh, there isn't one for Death Watch. There will be one for. Theoretically, there should be one for Blood Angels, which Blood Angels isn't available for. Yeah, it's available for pre-order, so we won't see that change yet. But it did mention that again in the Blood Angels Index, so same kind of thing we're going to see there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Relics. Uh, again, a lot of the relics that they added in Saga of the Beast are just gone. They are no longer there. But we do have a lot of the same relics that we had from uh, the Codex originally. So like, so you still have like the Armor of Russ, which now includes an armor save of two up. Not just a four-up invuln, but it does have the four-up invuln as well. And then uh, you pick a unit to fight last, which is what it did before. It's just better codified now. The Wolfenstone is a bit different, though, and that was a very popular choice. So, whereas before it was like you make an additional attack and units of Wolfen don't get affected, neither are units that are affected by the Curse of the Wolfen. Instead, the Wolfenstone has uh, Bestial Charge, which I think is that's pretty much the same power that Wolfen have. Yes. Because it's basically a reroll charge unit, reroll charge rolls... Which is what well, their Wolfen and Howl aura does.
2: But the Howl aura, I think, only works on blood claws. This one is any core.
0: Well, okay, the Wolfen and Howl works on infantry, bikers, or cavalry. But yeah, the the Wolfen Stone is any core. So, and then um, at the start of the fight phase, once per battle, you can evoke the spirits of the Wolfen, select a space unit within six inches that has Savage Fury ability, until the end of the phase... Each time a model in that unit makes an attack, the att- additional hit scored as a result of Savage Fury is achieved on a 5-up instead of a 6-up. Which I don't know if that means... Because Savage Fury is their super doctrine, which makes me think that wouldn't kick in until turn 3 at the soonest. unless for, Except for Wolfen, but yes. The weapons are like Frost... Uh, let's see, Black Death is still around as a Mastercraft, as a Power Axe, and... It does. It's actually better, because it used to be plus two strength, minus two AP, one damage, D3 additional attacks. It is now plus two strength, minus two AP, one damage, D6 additional attacks. <laughs> like, did you like Frost Fury uh, or Krakenbone Sword? I don't think anybody really did, but they're gone. Um, Helm of Durfast is gone. Let's see, did they bring any of these? Okay, so a couple, Mountain Breaker Helm, and Mountain Breaker Helm made it across from Saga of the Beast, which is, after making close combat attacks, before they consolidate, you can select an enemy unit with an inch of the bearer, roll a d6 on a 2-up, the model su- the unit suffers d3 mortal wounds, which is pretty much what it did before. There's a lot, of, again, a lot of stuff that didn't make it across, but like it seems like the high points did.
2: Yeah, I mean, all these seem like solid relics I wouldn't mind taking on a unit.
0: Yeah. Or um, a character, Sorry. Right. right. Uh, Pelt of the Beowulf's actually a really good one to take. Each time a melee hit is made against the bear, subtract one from the attacker's hit roll and wound roll. Ooh. I was
2: also looking at the Psyker one of Storm's Eye.
0: Yeah. Uh, once per turn in your psychic phase, after resolving the effects of a psychic power from the Tempestus discipline that was successfully manifested by the bear, roll a d6 for each enemy unit within 12 inches on a 4-up. That enemy unit suffers more a mortal wound. So you can be doing support powers and cause mortal wounds to people, which is pretty nice. Um, and then also the special issue war gear I find interesting because that's where they moved things like the Wolf Tail Talisman or Frost Weapons. So, like, we were wondering, what happens to Frost Weapons when all power weapons have already gotten the plus one strength? And if you make a weapon a Frost Weapon, which could be a Lightning Claw, Master Crafted Power Axe, Master Crafted Power Sword, Power Axe, or Power Sword, add one to the strength and damage characteristics. So now that's going to be a plus two strength total. And yet your Power Sword is going to do two damage per swing if it's a Frost Weapon.
1: Nice. Yeah, the only
0: thing I don't like about this is you used to be able to like give
2: those to the wolf guard that are with um, your troops. Like yeah. And now, blood claws. and now you can't because those aren't characters.
0: Right. It is a character specific add on. And yeah, it's you are restricted in who can take it. And, you know, if you're making a successor chapter, this is all the relics they get access to unless you spend points on a strat to give more of them. However, there is Thane of the Retinue, which is a 1CP strat that lets you uh, select one space wolf model from your army that has the word sergeant or pack leader in their profile. They can have one of the f- following special issue war gear relics. Uh, mastercrafted weapon, digital weapons, frost weapon, Morkai's teeth bolts. You can only use it once. So you can make one sergeant hat.
2: Right. Uh, yeah. So that gets around it. But it, I, when I was going through all my Space Wolf models, I, all of my Wolf Guard pack leaders had a frost weapon. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But the benefit is, like, the frost weapon was specific, like, specifically just got it kind of where power weapons are now. So I can understand pushing it a bit further should maybe not be a thing. That no, I will
2: agree with you gameplay wise model wise it's a pain
0: because all of them are actually modeled with the frost swords yeah so. fair <laughs> fair the tempestus discipline comes back uh, we mentioned that when uh, if you're using that relic and this was actually a thing when the patch came out like all of this like the psychic discipline so like like the blood angels discipline was gone and tempestus was gone from space wolves, and like people were like well so what what happens now what do we do so it's been restored and I want to kind of compare it to the old version. Some things, like, the order on some of them for randomly generating is different, but nobody randomly generates, so... Uh, although there are, there are some that went away, like, Fury of the Wolf Spirits is gone. You are no longer going to generate uh, attacks from from Ghost Ravens. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but Jaws of the... like Jaws of the World Wolf is back, and... It works very differently, because uh, before it was like you roll two d six, subtract a target's move characteristic, suffer a number of mortal wounds equal to the result. It is now uh, roll a d six for each model in the target unit, adding one to the result, adding one to the result of the site result of the psychic test was six nine or more for each roll of a six up that unit suffers one mortal wound. That's way weaker.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it it just seems to get weaker each time because I remember the time it was draw a line. Everything on the line has to make an initiative save or just go away.
0: Yeah, so they they keep toning it down and toning it down. Uh, Living lightning is still really good though, because it's basically their other smite, but it can cause smite to like chain over to somebody else. Uh, murderous murders Hur- hurricane, yeah, <laughs> yeah, murderous hurricanes actually really good now because not. You, like, you pick an enemy unit within 18 inches, and until the start of your next psychic phase, unless they are wholly within a terrain feature, you know, guarding themselves from the elements, they can't fire Overwatch, and they always fight last. Or at least they can't fight until all space wolves in your army have fought. So right. that one's That's really, really good. That's really useful. Because, I mean, true, Overwatch is now
2: a stratagem. But if someone sees you coming and you, you're only going after one unit, then go ahead and spin the CP to make that unit fire. You can just say no.
0: Yeah. And then Tempest Wrath is also really good. Uh, you know, make, model, again, you target an enemy unit, and when they uh, make an attack, subtract one from their attack rolls till your next psychic phase. So, uh, I'm noticing, like, Space Wolves have a number of abilities to, especially with their psychers, to screw with your opponent's ability to do things. And I, I kind of like that thematically. It's like, you won't get a chance to hurt us before we get to you. And it, it
2: synergizes with what they want to do
0: right um then we get the yeah no i'm actually you know other than jaws of the world wolf getting toned toned down i actually really like (laughs) Tempestus. i mean yeah once upon a time it was like the most broken rule in the game and to the point where that's why they had to come up with the the one millimeter wide standard for (laughs) drawing lines because like okay so at what point like is it the thinness of a of a like my tape measure like how <laughs> thick is the line so I know what what models get crossed under um they get their own you know like we saw with deathwatch they get their own chapter approved uh matched play secondary objectives Which uh, let's see, glory kills. Uh, Let's see, if you select this objective, you score victory points as follows. And this is a purge the enemy choice. And I do find it interesting that instead of being spread between like all the different subcategories, they've got two purge the enemy and two no mercy because this is death. This this is space wolves. They want to fight things. Uh, score two victory points if any character units were destroyed by a space wolves unit from your army during this battle round if no character units were destroyed but a character unit suffered three or more wounds as a result of the space wolves units uh score one victory point instead and then score three victory points if any monster units were destroyed but if you did th- if you didn't destroy any but you did at least three damage uh score a victory points so i kind of like the idea of Like, hey, if you didn't kill it, but you still made progress, that's still worth a little bit of points. But a character monster can't count towards both.
2: The only thing I don't like about it that I'll see people complain is, well, maybe on turn one, Rob, I I hit your character, I don't kill it, so I get a point. But turn two, I kill it, so I get two points. Well, if I just killed it fully on turn one, I would have got only two points. Instead, I got three
0: total. So... I, then, no, that's a fair. Food, I guess. Th- that is a fair critique. That, uh, yeah, it, you actually can screw yourself on points if you're too effective on that, that initial hit. Heroic challenge. At the start of your first command phase, you select one Space Wolves character model from your army to issue the challenge, and your opponent must select one character model from your, their army to accept the challenge. If either player does not have a character model, they must instead select their warlord. Select five or score five victory points at the end of the battle for each of the following conditions that have been achieved. The model that accepted the challenge was destroyed. The model that accepted the challenge was destroyed as the result of a melee attack. The model that accepted the challenge was destroyed as the result of a melee attack made by the model that issued the challenge. (laughs) So I do like that you're not screwed if you accidentally kill the target with somebody else.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Kevin, this seems like a perfect one for chaos. Remember how they had to accept challenges? <laughs> Ugh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully,
0: but I do challenges like, are no longer a thing. <laughs> yeah, but I do I like know, that I it's got just one right cool. here. <laughs> I like that it's still just kind of like, I'm going to pick an enemy unit, I want it dead, and if this guy happens to make it dead, it's even better for me. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and it's nice that the opponent gets to select which character so I just say I'm doing a challenge they can pick well I don't like this guy or this guy will be hard to kill or something like that
0: oh yeah it's like yeah I'm not going to pick a character that I actually care about you can t- you can try to kill like, like let's Bobby say it was my G. <laughs> bad choice bad choice <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's a good choice for the person playing Space Marines.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess it depends, like, are, are you more worried about them going after a major character, which they're probably going to do anyway? Or do you just, like, it, it actually is an interesting tactical decision for your opponents. Like, do I put this on a major character knowing that if this character dies, I'm giving up lots of points? Or do I put it on the scrub that I can just keep hidden because they don't have to do anything? But if they die, I lose major points. Right, so or give away major points. Then we get to the note the two no mercy no respite ones which is a mighty saga. Uh, if you select this objective, you score 2 victory points at the end of each battle round for each of the following achieved by your Space Wolves warlord. So, it has to be the warlord that does this for a maximum of 5 victory points. An enemy monster or vehicle loses any wounds as the result of a melee attack made by this warlord. An enemy monster or vehicle unit is destroyed as the result of a melee attack made by this warlord. An enemy character is destroyed as the result of a melee attack by this warlord. Five or more models are destroyed as the result of attacks made by this warlord. At the start of your command phase, this warlord is within range of an objective marker that is wholly within your opponent's deployment zone. One thing I like about these is that a lot of them key in with some of your warlord trait abilities. So... You're, you're rewarded for doing what your warlord wants to do. So I like this one. And the fact that it is two victory points for each of them to a max of five. So you don't have to do all of them every turn, but it is your warlord having to do them. So he's going to have to be really busy.
2: Well, and also this goes with space wolf mentality of lead from the front.
0: Yes. But like, I could absolutely see, like if I had a, like a, a Wolf Lord on a thunder Wolf mount, this would be a really good one to take, especially with like Beast Slayer or Hunter or several any of the other uh, Warlord traits that help you with this. Uh, and then finally, Warrior Pride, very simple one. Uh, score three victory points at the end of your turn if two or more spaceable units from your army are within engagement range of any enemy units or have completed a charge move this turn. This one damn near seems like an auto take.
2: <laughs> yeah, unless you really want to do the Warlord one.
0: Yeah, if you really want to do the Warlord 1, take that. But it's like, two guys, two of your units are fighting somebody or charge somebody. I think we can do that every turn. Like, first turn might be tricky, but...
2: Right, the only problem I see with this one is, late in the game, if you guys are being successful, you you or them might not have many units left to charge or be charged.
0: Well, you don't even have to... Like, they just have to be stuck in. Like, so if they just get... it, they just have to be within engagement range. So, well, I like mean, once if th- I
2: killed all those stuff and you've got your stuff on the other side of the board that I can't run to,
0: uh, true. But if I've been really successful and I'm running out of targets by the end of the game, I've I'm already doing pretty well. Otherwise, well, that so. is true too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Warrior Pride. I mean, that one seems like just a really easy one to pull off. Like first, like first turn might be tricky. But again, if you've got Thunder Wolf no. and, and yes. we'll get to that, yeah, y- you can pull this off. Um, we get into Crusade rules. Uh, nothing really, you know, particular. Although I do like some of the agendas, like audacious boast is fun. Like you basically say, "I'm going to do this thing," and then y- if you did that thing, you get y- you get uh, you know experience points. Um, that you can make a make a character a lone wolf. So lone wolves are gone from matched play, but they are in. Crusade play.
2: Right. They went from being a unit to then a
0: stratagem
2: and now they're just Crusade. Yes.
0: (laughs) Also, the wolf and the lion, uh, so like for the the old rivalry between Space Wolves and Dark Angels is now a narrative thing only too. It is not a match play thing. And uh, we're going to see a little bit of that when we... Actually, we're going to see some interesting bits of that when we get to Blood Angels, but I'm liking that they're kind of rolling some of these things that are very thematic to the army, but prove to be problematic to balance in tournament play. They're just moving them into crusade. It's like these don't have to. They're still part of the game, but they don't have to be part of tournament play. They but if you want to play like if you want to play thematic narrative stuff, this is still totally available and you can still use it. And it just makes me want to play crusade more.
2: (laughs) I just want to play games more.
0: I hear you. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. feeling you. Why? What, um, what? What's preventing you from playing games right now? <coughs> Does that Sorry. answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I do find it inter- interesting that they have a legendary relic available for their cru- uh, Crusade relics. A Space Wolf character of legendary rank can be given the following legendary relic instead of one of the ones presented in the 40k core book. In order to give a model of legendary relic, you must also pay one requisition point, uh, add an additional two to the unit's crusade points for each legendary relic it has. This is an addition to the plus one from gaining a battle armor for a total of plus three. And the item they give you is the Spear of Russ, Russ's spear Ooh. itself. Gifted to him by the Emperor himself, Lehman Russ considered this a weapon of ill omen and rarely carried it to war. Containing a short-ranged micro-teleportation array, the weapon possesses the ability to return to its wielder hand when thrown. Uh, the ability was frequently put to the test by Lehman Russ himself, who would hurl the weapon away in moments of anger, leaving it to be retrieved by his bemused wolf guard whether blessed or cursed, the ancient weapon has been used in battle by some of the greatest years of the space Wolves, turning the tide of many a battle at the crucial moment. Once per battle in your command phase, the bear can take up the spear of Russ and wield it. If it does, they cannot use any other ranged or melee weapons for the rest of the battle round, but are equipped with the following weapons. Uh, it's either an 18 inch assault, one strength times two, AP minus four, six damage shooting attack or a, uh, melee, uh, you know, melee type, strength times two, AP minus four, three damage, you know, melee weapon abilities. While Space Wolves' units within six inches of the bear, each time a model in that unit makes an attack, subtract one from that attack's hit roll. So, your... See, it's sp- cursed. Yeah, so your Space Wolves actually have a harder time hitting, but you've got a really awesome weapon. But that also means your character has a harder time hitting with it, too.
2: Luckily, it's only once per battle.
0: It is once per battle, For one turn. But it's just a really neat, fluffy narrative piece to throw in. And it's like, as a weapon, it's pretty brutal. Especially with the number of attacks that Space Wolves can get. Like a Space Wolf character can pull off. So, But I can also see why trying to balance that properly would be tricky in a competitive setting. Cause like you could play it. So it's like, well, my, I already hit on two. So, okay. Now I hit on threes like a power fist and I'll make sure I'm not within six inches of anybody else. So they're not affected. So I mean, like you could easily see somebody trying to do a, uh, like a smash wolf Lord with this spear competitively. So instead there's like, nah, we're just going to make that narrative. And then we don't have to worry about trying to rebalance it for competitive play. And then finally we get to our data sheets and there I mean there are some things that definitely changed uh points values wise compared to the uh to chapter proof twenty twenty uh most of the points increases would be comparative for like the number of wounds going up on models so nothing really out there as far as I saw but uh what is interesting is like there's a couple of key units that I think got major changes that are are worth looking at specifically um, I mean like they've got okay so Space Wolves have a ton of characters they probably have more care I think they have more characters than Ultramarines which would make them like the most character driven chapter which makes sense again thematically Space Wolves are all about big damn heroes charting sagas for themselves so it makes sense that they have a ton of characters
2: although one option is gone now which one is the that? Old, the old school Najal Stormcaller in power armor. Yes, he is Terminator armor only now. Which is fine. That's his newer model.
0: <laughs> well, of course, you know, that's what they're going to do.
2: And I don't know why, but I might want the Santa sleigh. Just because like, Logan he- Grimnar that has the, the Assault and Charge or Advance and Charge rule. So it's like, oh, he can get in there and lead from the front.
0: Yeah, giving him Swift Hunters is really nice. Um, now, he doesn't have Alpha Predator anymore, so he can't reroll failed charges? Or is that what Swift Hunter No, Swift Hunter just says he can advance and charge. Correct. I do like that he is always considered to have his deed associate, complete. And his Warlord trait is... He always has uh, Aura of Majesty, so he always has the... Uh, so, his Auras are three inches more, and he always has the six-inch bubble of Auto Pass morale, which fits, actually, because his old sense. ability... And his old ability was you did not need to take morale tests if you were within six inches of him. So that, that basically gives him that ability, just tied into his warlord trait. But yeah, Nial's only in his, uh, his Terminator armor. Uh, Bjorn is slower. He's only six, in, moves six inches instead of eight. But he does have duty eternal like all other dreadnoughts, so he, he ignores one wound. But he, And he still has his legendary tenacity of five up. But he doesn't; he also no longer gives you an extra command point.
2: Yeah, I saw that, and I was halfway sad, but they've reworked how command points work, so it, it's it works out.
0: Yeah, uh, he. I don't see like I think at this point he's an interesting take, but he's not like you don't build an army around him the way you could before, unless you want to try and build an all dreadnought army. Yeah, like I said, if you if you want <laughs> like if you want before you. Yeah, thematically he's an interesting build, but I don't see... Like, you don't take him for balance reasons, necessarily. Like You don't take him to squeeze out an extra command point or anything. Ragnar Blackmane's Primaris version is still a beat stick. All their characters are still pretty cool. Uh, and then we start, like... Let's see. Uh, we look at... Like, we talked about uh, Blood Claws, Swift Claws, Sky Claws having Berserk Charge and Headstrong. Two of those three can actually have Wolfguard attached to them.
2: <laughs> yeah, the two that are in this book?
0: Yes, I think it was a major oversight for them to not allow you to take a Wolfguard bike sergeant in Swift Claws. That that just yeah. seems like it was a bad choice to to make the bike units effectively worse than the than Blood Claws.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of, of why in general, because they could have just either added well, they would have had to add some line saying, If this is a space wolf, add this line to it or they could have just reprinted it in the they could,
0: yeah, they could have just, yeah, just said in Space Marines, you can't take bike squads and then put them and in And then here. put the
2: Swift Claws here,
0: as opposed yeah, to making that, them a name. Yeah, which is what they should have done. Uh, but like a lot of these things, like I, one thing I did appreciate is that like old school builds of like Grey Hunters with a Wolfguard Terminator thrown in, you can still do that. Like uh, same thing with like long things. You can still have a Terminator with like a Cyclone Missile Launcher attached.
2: Yeah, long fangs are the only one I have beef with, I think. Since all the others have their, like, four to nine plus a sergeant or the pack leader, long fangs are four to five with a pack leader. So, okay, so I can take five total with four and a pack leader, or I can take six total with five and a pack leader. Well, if I contain—that's power level seven for up to five. But if I contain six or more, suddenly it jumps to power rating 11. So adding one more Long Fang jumps it yeah. four power rating, Let's and I've see. been checking for facts. There's no facts up yet.
0: No, well, and also they even say the unit size for Long Fangs is five to six models. Yes. So they're like, unless they're going to change that fundamentally, they're doubling down on that extra that extra model being a Terminator or could be a Terminator. Like no, at it that can't. point, oh, if it cannot contain. Oh, you can't have both a Wolfguard pack leader and. Well, you could have a Longfang pack leader and a Wolfguard right. pack leader. But, but so, like. Wolfguard
2: pack leader already adds plus two and it's not considered a Longfang. <laughs> oh, God. This, okay, just, so you could. Okay, I think so you they could, just
0: cut and pasted, is what they did. I think so, yeah. So they're going to have to fix that. Um, let's see. Hounds of Morcai. This is actually a brand new unit. And finally, some, some good Reavers.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I do want to use this unit. Yeah, because that that's been one of the problems. Like Reavers, is their spot has been replaced by infiltrators and incursors. Hounds of Morcai actually give you a reason to take them because uh, they have the ability to snipe out psychers, and they are uh, better at shooting and psychers, and do more da- or better at hitting psychers in general, and do more damage to psychers. And it's fluffy since we got to kill those thousand suns. And they can't. They like they can't be targeted by enemy psychic powers unless they're the closest model. They ignore sci- uh, more uh, mortal wounds from psychic powers on a four up. And if they're, you're within eighteen inches of them, your psychers, uh, enemy psychers, subtract one from their psychic tests. And if you're within six inches, they subtract two. I mean, that's a really solid unit. I could totally see taking this unit.
2: I mean, I'm. In my mind, I'm treating them kinda like Sisters of Silence for um, Talents of the Emperor.
0: Yeah. They have outflank built in, and uh, when they make a normal move, advance or fall back, they don't count vertical distance because they're grapnel launchers. They don't have the grav shoots like Reavers can, but with outflank they don't really need it. And I no, I just I I finally think they found a good way to to make a Reaver kit good. and it's again it's very space wolfy as like the the executioners of the emperor like we need to kill that psyker so and especially with their classic rivalry with thousand sons i mean this is a really solid unit i like the fact that they finally like fluff wise took a primaris unit and like modified it for a chapter because you hadn't really seen that either like Uh, It makes sense that, like, Blood Angels would have Death Company Primaris units or, you know, a version of, like, Sanguinary Guard that are Primaris or stuff like that. And I think that that is – creates some really – it opens some really interesting doors to kind of make Primaris a little more um, fluffy than just kind of the generic units they are right now. Yeah,
2: Deathwash didn't get any, but I think that's because you can build kill teams out of them now.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know, just, it's just a really cool, like, it opens up some really cool possibilities. And then we're going to get to Wolfen, and Wolfen got nerfed hard. I mean, let, let's... I'm just not going to... I I'm mean, not gonna... I, I will agree with that, but I, I will
2: also say now, instead of a must-take, they're... Eh, if you need to buff something, take them.
0: I, I won't disagree with that. I think they did need to get brought down a little bit. Uh, they... But I also feel like they... they like I'm surprised they didn't get Swift Hunters. They they that was an ability they that, abs- they lost. That
2: did surprise me. I mean, I just assumed they had it until you pointed out that they didn't. I'm like, wait, wait, what?
0: Yeah, yeah, because they used to have Bounding Lope, which allowed them to advance and charge in the same turn they don't they don't have which you know swift hunters is the same ability they don't have that anymore so Wolfen. uh so looking at their abilities you know besides losing the ability to attack and charge death frenzy changed they they still have the ability that if they die they get to swing before they die like if they died in melee however they did lose the five up feel no pain they had which that's also a big nerf and one of the things that really made them a pain to deal with yeah the feel no pain
2: plus being able to like Advance and charge because they were yeah. in your face right
0: away. Oh yeah, but they also have uh, savage killers, which means they always have the assault doctrine available. Yeah, which, which... means
2: so many extra attacks right away from turn one. Oh or yeah, because turn two, no one's going to yeah. get close to them. Turn one,
0: but uh, yeah, so they always have. They're always kind of benefiting from the assault doctrine, not the bonus from the assault doctrine they are considered to be under assault doctrine so savage fury kicks in so your your attacks are your melee attacks are minus one ap or you know their ap is one better uh they have attacks that explode on a six and they always count as having charged for the purpose of uh having shock assault so they've got three attacks base they'll have four with shock assault and any of those are that are sixes will explode
2: So there's still going to be blenders out there. Just not as strong
0: blenders, but
2: toughness increase?
0: Toughness increase, yes. They did go to tough five. Yeah, otherwise, they went to tough five. They gained an inch of movement also. They move eight inches now, which that's nice. That's on par with Eldar. Yeah. So, I mean, they're still going to be fast, although not as fast as before. And then instead of having the the curse of the Wolfen, they just have Wolfen howl, which gives units... Infantry, Space Wolf, Bikers, and Space Wolf Cavalry uh, units within six inches of the unit re-roll charge rolls, and Space Wolves Blood Claws within 12 inches re-roll charge rolls. So Blood Claws and Wolfen play really well together, and that is the same as uh, Curse of the Wolfen Hunt. Uh, Curse of the Wolfen Kill has gone away. Also, one other rule they have, Bestial Rage. They can't do actions. Well, that just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean it really does it's like they're not gonna sit there and raise the banners or you know set up a teleport homer. They're there to kill things and they they are going to do that. Um we still have Wolf and Dreadnoughts and Murder Fangs. Or well, not Murder Fangs plural. Oh thank God. One Murder Fang, just the one. <laughs> but then we get into Thunderwolf Cav, and besides all the stratagem support that we are seeing, uh Thunderwolf Cavalry First off, an additional wound, because they got the same wound buff that all other normal marines got. So, yeah, so they've got four wounds. They're still strength four, tough five, uh, two attacks base, three attacks for the cavalry pack, uh, for the pack leader. Um, Obviously, their Stardis chain swords are better because AP minus one. And, you know, otherwise, you know, you'd see not a lot of changes, but one additional rule that makes a big difference is swift hunters advancing and charging. So good for Thunderwolf Cav. Yeah, and Cyberwolves
2: and Fenrisian Wolves had the same, so you can actually have screening lines or extra support lines of wolves to get your cavalry up there for that first turn charge, and they've got the movement. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the reason why they didn't reprint Swift Claws in here, because why would you bother? You have Thunderwolf Cavalry. Why do you need Sky Claws either? No, you don't. You really don't. (laughs) <laughs> I, no, I mean, Thunderwolf Cavalry were all were a good unit. They were awesome when they first came out. They got kind of toned down, but I think they're back in a big way now. With it, like I, I'm going to go further. I think they're a must take. I wouldn't disagree with you. You know, the three extra attacks with their crushing teeth and claws. I mean, you just got a ton of attacks you can put out with these things. They're resilient. You can still take st- storm shields, which. Granted, you, they're not a three up and vulnerable, but they are still a four up, which they make you a two up four up, which that's great. Um, and, does the storm we,
2: shield make it minus one armor?
0: Uh, no, it's plus one to your armor saves,
2: so okay. you're effectively, so effectively a, a two up.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. They may they did they change it to plus one to the armor save rolls rather than changing the armor save value because that way you don't end up accidentally like with terminators with a one up armor save, right? But being able to shrug off small arms fire on like a 2 up is fantastic for this unit. So, I mean Thunderwolf Cav, I yeah, they may very well be a must take for this army at this point. They're I mean they were always good. This just makes them one of the best units in the army. We talked about the problems with the Longfang army building, especially as f- power levels involved.
2: <laughs> right, but that's the only downside about the Longfangs. Past that, it's as it always has been, as you said, Rob. You can still take the Wolfguard Guard in Terminator armor, put a Cyclone missile launcher on them. The pack leader is still useless, but he's only there to technically give somebody a two-up ballistic skill for a shot. So,
0: yeah. And then finally, the Storm Fang and Storm Wolf, which still can't. You can carry Wolfen. They can't carry. They can carry Wolfen and, car- carry wolf and in Terminators, not Primaris models. And it even calls that out. It does. They can even take Centurions. You do have Space Wolf Centurions now. You can do that. And see, that, that's my biggest complaint about this book, is I can flip through this book,
2: and in my mind, this is everything I need to play Space Wolves, and then I totally forget Centurions, Aggressors, Intercessors, all of the Primaris, because they're not, other than the Hounds of Morcai, they're not referenced in here, really, so I don't see them, I forget about them, and that's why I'll have to like go back to what Kevin said, I'll have to now use two books to go flip back and forth between, now what... Can I take in here that I want that's not already in my collection and already a space wolf? So Yeah.
0: No, it, it's, and I didn't, it's a, it's and I didn't feel that with Death
2: Watch because Death Watch had, what, three or four units? So Death Watch felt more like I'm a space marine army and here's some extra things. This feels like it should be, it's kind of the other way around where the space wolf book is the army and the space marine book is the other things to add to it.
0: I mean, all I have to say about that is, you know, get good, noob. It's, it's a learning curve. Uh, Blood Angels <laughs> yeah. have, have kind of the same thing. And it's trying to figure out like what, okay. So what Blood Angel stuff do I have access to now that I didn't have before? And is it stuff I'm going to take? Like, you know, like for Space Wolves, like are even Assault Centurions, they move pretty slowly. Are they worth taking or are you better off just focusing on the very Space Wolfy stuff? I mean, other than like having to take some of your characters from the core book, unless you're using named characters. Like, you know, how much of your army is really going to be non-Space Wolf specific stuff? And and maybe, and and I'm not asking that. It's kind of like, yeah, like you'd ever take it. It's like, it's
2: a valid question. I mean, I am going to take some aggressors, but that's only because I had, I think in one of the things that maybe had Gasgul and Ragnar, there were some Space Wolf aggressors in there that actually had the shoulder pads and everything. So I'm like, I've already built them. So I'm going to use them. They're going to be slow as heck, going five inches around. But at least I gave them flamers so I can advance with them and they can still hit. <laughs> so, I mean, and I don't know how good they're going to be. I want to try them out. But right. other than the other... Pr- and, oh, and I guess technically the um, Space Wolf kill team was Reavers? I think they were Reavers? Yes. I'd have to look.
0: You could run so, those I mean, as those. So.
2: I guess I could, yeah. So, I mean, I... The only Primaris I've bought for the Space Wolves have been all the stuff that was kind of pre-packaged as Space Wolves, which technically, as I'm looking through it, it was kind of a lot. (laughs) Well, maybe not a lot, but enough to actually have extra units to throw in there that are Primaris.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, are you going to worry about taking things like Hunter and Stalker tanks or... Oh, no, no, no. no. Or (laughs) like... Unless you're going to go Primaris heavy, like, are you going to bother with like an impulsor or a repulsor? Like, would you take a redemptor dread over the more assault focused dreadnoughts in the, like, would you take a, no, no rep- take the
2: wolf and dread.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, you know, and it, again, maybe, maybe there will be people that come up with these more, like, more Primaris or more generalist marine space wolf builds, but I, I yeah, I don't know how much like how much of that material and that extra book that you technically have to have are you going to use
2: right and and like i said it's the two sides of the coin where deathwatch you'd use that space marine codex a lot space wolves not so much
0: but you'd still need to use it cuz they didn't reprint your chapter tactic in this i mean book. Y-
2: you have to have it cuz yeah all space marines are in one book yeah
0: <laughs> so and and i and like you know again spoilers blood angels are going to be kind of the same way but overall, Dennis, like how, like how of the stuff that you have in here, how do you feel about it? Oh, I'm
2: thrilled with this. I
0: mean, a lot of my complaints
2: are mostly hobby and painting complaints. Um, like I've already mentioned the Frost Sword one. Um, I've kind of haven't mentioned – we didn't talk about it fully, but in the Codex supplement, there are pages that talk about the – the runic numbering they use, the shoulder pads they use for the different pack markings, and I need to go redo mine because how I'm going to build the squads now is going to be different, so I need to repaint shoulder pads, and I'm technically not looking forward to that. <laughs> but, I mean, it'll make it easier on the tabletop, to just I can just grab a guy I know exactly which pack they belong to, and, I mean, that's the good thing about having markings on there for that type of stuff, so... I mean, overall, very pleased, but hobby-wise, I I need to get back and do some touch-ups, re-modifyings, and whatnot on the models.
0: Do you feel like they at least have the flavor right, for sure?
2: Uh, I won't say for sure, because there's always more they could do and whatnot, and I still don't have a Lehman Russ. Um, But um, (laughs) overall, yes, I think this is definitely in the right direction. It feels very space-wolfy. and. Uh, probably my negative comment that people hate on is I'm kind of glad the Wolfen are toned down because the Wolfen were the lost chapter and they should not have been one of the 13 come back and be everywhere. I like that. They've been toned down to where now they're just one of the 13 again and all the other space wolf chapters can kind of integrate and make for army for the High King. Yeah. Don't
0: disagree. I don't know what you're talking about. You've got multiple options for Lehman Russ. Like There's like three or four different variants. <laughs> well, there's like six. Okay, well, six. how about this? Yeah, six, get, six get, different get, variants.
2: Okay, give me all six variants. I'll make one a leg, the other the other leg, two for arms, one the
0: bo- <laughs> We're going to Voltron okay. this bitch into Lehman Russ. You know what? If yeah, you well, do that, if somebody does that, I would love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> a, a Voltron Lehman Russ piloted by Lehman Russ. <laughs> Oh my god, that <gasps> would be you amazing. have to use the head from the uh Primark Lehman Rest that Forge World has. Sticking oh out of like god. one of the cannons or something, I don't know. <laughs> 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 and speaking of building weird things, let's move into hobby progress. <laughs> so Jeez. Um, I have continued uh, hobby progress with my Daughters of Cain. I finished painting my uh, Cauldron of Blood and the various characters. I've also finished painting five witch elves, and these are not the new shiny plastic witch elves. These are the old metal witch elves, of which I have like 40, and I have five of them painted now. And then another five are on painting handles ready to be worked on. Having five painting handles does kind of cut down how much I can do at a time, but it also helps me break it into small, manageable blocks. So I can't complain. Yeah, I was too just much. wondering about that because I was like,
2: I have one, and I was like, one seemed enough, but five. I guess that's a whole squad at a time that way.
0: Yeah, and it's so like I can I can just like pick one up and and you know position it. And it's actually been really good for doing things like painting eyes or painting other like the metal ones. Like some of them have like lines of barbed wire wrapped around one leg, and so trying to hit the barbed wire with metal paint while not hitting the flesh tones is tricky. So the, the painting handles really nice for that. And now these are the older painting handles. I don't have the new streamlined, butt pluggy <laughs> painting handles, <laughs> but uh, I don't think I want them, but don't want, don't want the temptation. <laughs> That's not the problem. That's really not the problem. I, I actually don't know if I like the design on the new ones. Like, you know yeah i, I, I don't outside. have one either i don't have one either like i i don't know i think it might work because i will say with the with the the current uh, the old painting handles the the actual handle itself is very like sh- is very small and very short so i don't know like having a larger s- space to grip onto may not be a bad idea but yeah i don't know i don't know that it's worth the Spending the 12 bucks, or whatever, to find out if I like it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, like, I was somebody who really poo-pooed the, the painting handles when they first came out. And I think now all I, were. Yeah, and now I love them. It's, yeah, they're great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so they say, like, the redesigned shape is more ergonomic, improves the balance and distribution of weight, which lo- allows them to make it even taller while reducing accidental knockdowns. It handles the same number of base sizes up to 40 millimeters. So... You know, I might be willing to pick one up just to kind of compare and contrast. Mm -hmm. And apparently it does still, like, screw into the base, so you could put the same clip on, like, a tripod if you wanted to for, like, photography purposes and something like that. But uh, I might give one a try, but I I like my my five current ones. Uh, But anyway, in... in in addition to working on Witch Elves, I also got my uh, Jump Pack Blood Angels Chaplain uh, rebased onto a new 32-mil base that matches the rest of the army. And I got a bunch of uh, bases primed and uh, got Death Company attached to them that were – like, the Death Company were, like, halfway through painting, but I wanted to change – I was changing, like, army like basing themes when i started working on my primaris stuff so like oh i need to get these all uh standardized together so i've got a bunch of bases ready for them and i've got so i i moved my death company to a new base and that base is fully painted now i also moved uh, a listener a few years ago uh sent me an asterath the grim to use and so i got him rebased onto new bases too because i definitely want to do some jump jump uh, death company to go along with my just like premier stuff. So uh, that, that is still in process, but I'm going to wait to start on really finishing up painting them until I can finish up a couple more squads of witch elves to get to a, at least a small point playable amount of uh, age of Sigmar daughters of Cain. So that, that is what I've been doing. I've just kind of been in build mode. Um I've put together two units of the Ulfton Destroyers for Necrons. I put together the Silent King, which actually the model wasn't nearly as difficult as I expected it to be. It actually went together pretty quickly. I put together a couple heavy destroyers and like just basically a few, you know, some models that I had left over that I that I hadn't yet built. So it's really just kind of building all of that stuff. I need to set down i need to figure out what i'm going to try to play for lvo this year uh for the friendly and build that list out and see if i can get it painted in time because i've got approximately two months um and i just it's i've been a little bit lazy the last couple of weeks not wanting to work on painting so i need to get kind of back into that headspace and you work best under pressure I work fastest under pressure. I wouldn't say best. <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use the word best to describe any of my painting. We'll put it that way. <laughs> but fast, yes. <laughs> uh,
2: I guess for me, painting-wise, I'm working on Snarls, Fangs, Ripas, which is Warhammer Underworlds, because um, that's kind of what I'm prepping to do in spare time, because you can do that very small and... And hopefully I'll get a game in February, March, maybe sometime. But, um, then for Space Wolves, I'm, as I kind of noted before, starting to put them in, pull them out of the foam and put them in, um, little Ziploc snack bags so then I can have units together so then I can just grab a bag and then I'll start working on, on getting them done. Although there's a lot of them, so getting them done might be a year long project. So we'll see how far I get in the next, like, two weeks.
1: <laughs> I haven't done anything.
0: I've been lazy. <laughs> You've also Even- been, like, work is finally starting to slow down for you, I think, too, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. I'm starting to, to get to the point where, like, I need to start doing something, but it it's still that and and, well, another magic set came out and, like, a lot of times that just ends up dominating dominating my hobby space <laughs> is just piles and piles of little cards.
0: I, I know those feels. I've got like three stacks of them on my desk right now. <laughs> and I know
2: those feels because I now have a hobby table and it makes it so much easier to get 40K stuff done because I've now dedicated a table to it.
0: I, I have a hobby table, but it's increasingly filling filling up with completed models that I don't have storage for yet. So... It's it's a display table at the moment, and you need to get more storage, which means I just need to buy more KR stuff. I did get KR stuff for my Blood Angels finally, so they're in there, but uh, now I've got Daughters of Cain, and I'm going to have more Death Guard stuff eventually, and I've got Ember's Children stuff, and I have a problem. Not not as yeah. bad as Kevin, but I have a problem. Hey, <laughs> don't. <laughs> hey, you Shut <rear-rear-> up. <laughs> That's, you hear that bus? <laughs> I just threw you right under it. You know, I, I really want to argue, but shut up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Kevin. We all feel the pain.
0: Well, yeah. Kevin, uh, Kevin, I'll make it up to you, and uh, you can pick the topic for the morale phase this time.
1: Yay! Um, Kevin, are, are you pondering what I'm pondering? Sure. But if we call them sand meals, how are we going to get the children to eat them?
0: Um, Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So the the topic for this one is the Animaniacs reboot, uh, which also maybe more importantly is also a Pinky and the Brain reboot. And uh, it's fantastic. It's amazing because they've managed. So Animaniacs growing up was one of my favorite shows. It, It hit right at the point. I think it came out in 93. So I was 11 to like... 16 when it was on the air it was like just perfect timing for me in particular like it holds a special place in my heart when i heard they were doing the hulu reboot i was ecstatic and but i was also trying to be like okay maybe it's not as good as i remember it maybe it won't be aimed for me and it 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 is it's just as good as i remember it like the the only downside is uh but it's it's definitely not a show that you binge watch because they do a lot of the same like repetitive jokes. So like I did notice after watching like four episodes in a row, and I'm like, oh, they made that same reboot joke like five times. Okay, you know. But other than that, like it's just as zany, um, you know, it's just as madcap, uh, it's just as topical as the old show was. Um, I think it retained the same type of humor and like the the same feel like it's just they did a they did a really great job with the reboot oh yeah the animation is the exact same style but you know yeah. cleaned up digitally but otherwise you know so it's in hd but it's the same style the voice cast is the same mm-hmm. i mean most of the writers are the same like they brought like almost everybody back um yeah. you know it opens with Steven Spielberg doing, like, a Jurassic Park, like, spoof and, like, reintroducing the Animaniacs. Uh, the theme song and, you know, the opening credits is – the theme song slightly different, but, like, it's the same – it's mostly the same. and has, like, the same animation and the same style of stuff. Um, they brought back a lot of the supporting cast. Like I said, Pinky and the Brain get their own segment in every every episode. Uh my personal favorite. There is a chicken boo episode, which I was not expecting. That the the only downside I will say is they do they don't have a wheel of morality segment, and that was maybe my favorite bit in the old show. So I was slightly disappointed by that, but everything else is just great. Yeah, we've been sharing it with our uh, our eight year old, and because I think she's right at the age where these jokes really start hitting. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's it's awesome. Also, uh, there are 13 episodes out now, but a second season has been uh, approved Mm -hmm. and will premiere in 2021. So we're going to get a full 26 episode run, if nothing else. Yeah. And like, it's great because Animaniacs was and and it's not it's not as rare in animation anymore because like this is kind of the whole Pixar thing doing. Adult jokes and adult topics in children's cartoons, which is part of the reasons why Animaniacs, the original run was so special is that like you could watch it as a 10 year old and then watch it as a 20 year old and a 30 year old and still get like different things out of it. Um, I feel that they they captured that with the, with the new Animaniacs as well, because as you mentioned, your eight year old can watch it and enjoy it. I can watch it and enjoy it for completely different reasons. And that's. Yes. That's really hard and really special to do with kids' entertainment because you either get, you know, not to not to make too much fun of it, but something like Dora the Explorer, which is a really great kids show, but is like mind numbing to watch as an adult. Like it's it's annoying because it's so child focused. So something that can do both is is really impressive and really really uh, neat. And I will say they are not holding back on the on the commentary jokes. Like they <laughs> no, they are not. They, they're leaving nothing on the table, while still managing to stay in that uh, relatively kid friendly zone. Yeah, but that's but that's always what the original Animaniacs was. Like it didn't back away from political humor and modern events. Like they they have a bill clinton saxophone joke like in the opening you know in the opening song for the old show so it's like they're not you know they're not shying away from that stuff and and they never have and anybody and they they even kind of make fun of it in the new theme song for the new show that like people who are complaining about that oh the show's different or it's tackling these things that it did before it's like no we've always done this like yeah it's (laughs) yeah yeah I also like the fact they pointed out that the writers were writing these episodes in 2018 so they have no idea what's <laughs> happening in 2020 right. so they just randomly guess. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a funny bit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's it is it's a fantastic series and I can my one dream that if this does well that not only do we maybe get another season or two Although I, I like one season of twenty six episodes would be great and I'd be happy oh, with that. Yeah. But what I would love to see spin off of this, if it could, would be a, a new season of Freakazoid. <laughs>
1: which
0: yeah. is from the same animation oh, yeah. you know, same animation <laughs> block and had a lot of the same vibe, only more so. so right. I one the can only agree. a lot. <laughs> but if we, it, but if this is all we get, I'm happy, you know, like yeah. Animaniacs, this animation is, is awesome. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, that wraps up episode 228. As I said, next time we will be back with a look at the blood angels codex. And then sometime around the, the beginning of the year, like obviously we'll do a year end, you know, the year that was Warhammer 40 K in the age of COVID, but uh, 2021, uh, we'll look at launching with maybe an episode on, on, on how to play Ninth edition. So uh, maybe we can bring in some people who have had a little bit more experience of playing it than we have <laughs> at the moment. But until next time, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Good night, good gaming, and uh, get yourself some wolves.